What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian, and today we got the whole squad on to provide some final thoughts on Sci-Fi's The Magicians with our Peaches and Plums motherfucker special. We are obviously heartbroken to be done with our Rooks and Vets Season 5 coverage, but magic comes from pain, guys. Come on. And we're hoping to make some magic here to give one of our favorite shows of all time a proper send-off. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Luke. He's going to be our MC here. So today we have a bunch of different topics we're going to talk through, kind of just get our thoughts out there. We're going to we're going to rank some of the seasons. We're going to talk about our favorite characters. We're just going to hit a bunch of things to start us off strong. So I'm not going to waste time with this intro. We're just going to hand it right over to the Rooks. You guys have had a couple of weeks now to sit on the ending of the series. And now you guys are the newest to this material. What do you guys think? Is this series forever going to be in your top 10? Did it gain or lose value as time went on? Just tell me about the ending and what you really think as a whole of The Magicians. I would say definitely top 10. Definitely top three of my favorite shows Woo! all time as it stands right now. I mean, I think we're... I'm going to have some tough decisions in our bracket series coming up. We have not decided what our favorites are, but this is right up there with Game of Thrones, completely different shows. But yes, this this show has a lasting impact with me. It's an unbelievable show. It it holds a special place in my heart. I, I feel great. Season five was awesome. It was so fun covering it. And yeah, I'm going to miss it. Yeah, I think the show in general just kind of introduced us to a world that I would want to live in. And I feel like I'm friends with all of the characters. You know, I feel like that's something that you don't really get a lot for a lot of TV shows. They feel so unbelievably real. And that's kind of, I guess what you're shooting for when you make a TV show and the show absolutely fucking nailed it. Season five. I mean, it brought us, it brought us in for a nice little landing. I, I enjoyed the ending. I'm okay with where we left off. It's just sad that we're not going to go back. I don't know. I would just love to just get more and more and more and more and more, especially because I mean, it's just fun with the seven of us to talk about this show, but. I would say easily top 10, probably top 10 locked, you know, to the day I'm six feet under top three at the moment. Yeah, probably top five at the moment. Definitely. Good to hear. Love Pretty to hear. satisfied <laughs> with that, honestly, because I was nervous. I wanted to make sure that you guys are on the same page as me. But anyway, so let's let's start this one off with a little bit of an icebreaker topic here. It's going to be a quick kind of go around, but. Let's just talk about what would have happened if in an ideal world, every single one of our main characters survived and made it to New Fillery. What are some of the things you guys think that some of the characters like Quentin, Elliot, Dean Fogg would have had as their portion of their personality ingrained in the New Fillery? I got the first one. Quentin would carve out his nice little island to just replicate exactly Fillery Mini and make Fillery. it Fillery yeah. 2.0 and just carve himself off a nice little slice of heaven. That's mm -hmm. that's what I had for him. He would have like his own Fillery museum where he would get any little bits of pieces of anything that survived and would kind of like the, the alter timeline Quentin who would just hoard shit. Kind of like that. I brought this up in one of the episodes at the end, but I'll open it up. Do you guys think that Fenn took a lot of the things that Quentin would have had in, in the last season, whereas like she was the one coming up with Fillory? Like she got a huge part in creating new Fillory and all the stuff that is Fillory on new Fillory is from her. And I really think it would have been Quentin's job to do that. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like choosing the picking the seahorse, mm -hmm. like the right vessel. That would have been Quentin, 100%. Yeah. I didn't like think that. it before you said it, but I remember on the podcast when you said it live, I was like, 100%. Yeah. That was Quentin's material. But Kyle always brings it up. You know, what we lost by sacrificing Quentin 
we gained by highlighting Josh yep. and Fen, mm-hmm. you know, some of the more side characters. So I'll bring us back. Penny, scarf trees. Mm. Wow. Chess trees. You know, it's Chess it's really trees. funny. <laughs> it's really funny that you mentioned trees because I feel like every time I think of something, it has to do with the tree. Because yeah. Quentin, I was like, oh, playing cards grow from trees. And then Elliot was like, oh, you know, never ending flasks come from trees and fog. I was like, okay, McKellen, whatever, grows on trees. I, I literally thought the same thing with the cards growing on trees, Kyle, yeah. for Quentin. That's great. Yeah. What were some of the things? Like, didn't Alice have her bacon fields? Bacon fields. Uh, Which, naturally occurring pizza ovens. Which awesome. Alice in the Bacon Fields was sweet because there's been a few times they've referenced mm-hmm. her love for bacon. Like one when she was coming back to life mm-hmm. and like she was kind of hiding from the lamprey. She goes into that diner and all she all moment. she orders is like bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. What is Fogg's go to drink? Is it whiskey? Yeah. Single malt scotch. Isabella Islay single malt. I have it right here. <laughs> Fog would definitely have an Isabella Islay single malt river or like yeah. a water. I, yeah, like I said it rained single malt scotch. <laughs> oh, once so good. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. You would get so fucked up if that was a thing. Yeah. I All the kids out Because <laughs> didn't Fillory never had alcohol? Like that was Elliot's yeah. whole thing was he was trying to introduce alcohol. So wine why try? And, yeah, why yeah. try and create wine when you can just bring mm-hmm. fucking a shitload of whiskey and get wasted? <laughs> so that's definitely Fogs. Mm-hmm. Dude, Kyle, what you're saying about trees? I was like, oh, Katie, like punching bag trees. <laughs> Yo, yeah. I had the same thought. They would just be punching bags hanging from trees. Yeah, yeah she's walking through all pissed. She's like, motherfucker, and she just swings at one, <laughs> swings at another one. What about Zelda? Books. books. <laughs> there would just a, be a yeah. library. Book yeah. trees. Dude. Yeah, books would be birds. Or birds would be books. Aww, mm, that's oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. To change the mood a little bit, for for Elliot, I had Glory Hole Forest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of, I don't know. Maybe him and Charlton wouldn't work out in the end. And he would just like go blow off steam in the Glory Hole Forest <laughs> or the GHF. But, oh, my God. When you say blow off steam, what do you mean by that? Well, yeah. that's the beauty of Glory Hole Forest. You could be on either side of the wall. You get to choose. Okay. Nice. You get lost. Have you ever gotten lost in the Glory Hole Forest? <laughs> yeah. Can't find. I made a left at the white dick with the left slant to the. <laughs> The good thing is we don't have to wonder what Paul's new fillery would look like because we got that in the original fillery. We got the high forest, right? Yeah. You just walk around and get high off life, right? That's that's Paul's thing. Where's my stuff touchers? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So anyway, let's get a little bit more serious here. And now I want to ask a question. I'd love to ask whenever a series finishes. Because this show didn't get to run to its writer's original completion, like they would have kept going if they were offered more seasons. Everyone has to ask the question of what would have happened if this series ended at the end of season four? Would we have been more or less happy with a, you know, open ended of of Quentin made the ultimate sacrifice for everybody else? So my first thought was no, because I loved the the development of Elliot and Alice's conversation Mm -hmm. of their love for Q and how it was so complicated. And, you know, season five in the beginning, they were able to hash it out and say like he loved you so much what was i supposed to tell him to do stop loving you so the fact that they kind of got closure on that i loved it and with q being gone you really saw how important he was to everybody so i liked that it didn't end but at the same time i also wish we had more yeah i appreciate the getting to join in on the grieving process you know if if it was just me in my dining room crying and that was the last that it ever got brought up would kind of suck like you're saying, Luke, you, you like to do this, comparing it to the hundred. 
I feel like this show benefited from that extra season more so than the hundred benefited from those extra seasons after the end of book one or whatever. Totally agree. Yeah, I agree as well. Part of me wonders is if they knew it was going to end at season five, if we're going to not think about any back stage, whatever stuff with Jason Ralph, if they would have killed him off. Like I said, part of me wonders if it was worth killing him off and if they would have actually pulled the trigger if they didn't have a few seasons to keep going with it. Because I think he was dealing with a little... Am I right about this, Kathleen? Didn't he want off of the show a little bit to he do Broadway to, stuff? He like, wanted to do plays and he stuff. He was a gigantic part of the decision. Yeah. yeah, he wanted to go back to his like theater roots. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of other passions, but I, part of me wonders if he knew if it was going to end at five, why would he... Yeah. Like, just ride it out one more season. Yeah, right. With Quentin Coldwater. Fuck yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, they really did nail season five when it comes to the grieving process and everything like Kyle was saying. So, so it's not needed, and I mm-hmm. do think they did it really well. But having extra seasons with Q was probably, without Q, I mean, was probably their plan. Mm-hmm. My only last comment on it would be that I think the bad guy and the climatic end of season four better than fighting the bad guy you know like i am a diehard beast fan i loved it but it didn't feel you know it felt a little bit rushed it was only in the last episode i don't know that part of me liked the end of season four but i totally am on the opposite side from the hunter where i wanted season five of the magicians they would have had to change four. like we would have never seen like if it ended exactly how it ended at four we would have never seen real Elliot besides singing the song. Like mm-hmm. again, we have no, no idea how this, any of these characters are going to feel or react. And I agree with Paul. I think they all benefit from it. And the show is like an exercise. They have multiple episodes and like, there's no one hero to this story. Like everybody matters. Who are you to say who the hero is? And season five is, is a gigantic example of that. And being able to show like, yeah, we killed our main character off. And obviously um, we're missing him, but I thought they did a really good job of first three episodes. We're working through it and everyone's upset. And now we're moving past it. Cause that's what you have to do in life, right? Like grief is terrible, but you got to keep moving on. And we say it all the time. Deep bench. This cast can hold up most controversial opinion. I didn't really miss Quentin that much wow. in season five. Oh, I did. Obviously I would always, wee-woo, wee-woo, wee-woo. <laughs> like I did. I, I, like, he's, later. he's like, the greatest ever i love him to death but i didn't not like the show anymore because of it all i have to say is that it's an extra season and they didn't sacrifice the quality of the show to put it out you know i mean they took Mm -hmm. a huge gamble by taking q out of the equation but clearly they put a lot of thought into okay how would this affect these characters and they really went into it and i appreciated showing us that and getting that extra season it was a unique season in when you compare it to the five because because Q's not in it anymore, but it was, I appreciated it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad there was a season five. It almost seems like it was a setup for like a next chapter of the show because it would have been like, okay, season one through four, you know, it's all about earth fillery and Q season five is a transition to this new world. That's not fillery. And I feel like we would have just kind of used that as as a timeline reference point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, like a new arc. Yeah, fuck and, you guys are just so good. I just I have nothing else to add. I just want to say I'm just glad we got the fifth season. Definitely great show. Yeah, that's all I need to say. <laughs> all right, so now we're gonna go into our first of three round round table topics where we're just gonna have a a favorites or a least favorite section, and we're all just gonna talk out loud about you know our rankings of certain things. So this is going to be the big one here. 
where we're going to do the favorites of the, the types of characters. And I split this into three parts. The nine main characters, you guys know exactly who I'm talking about. We have the supporting characters who have been throughout the show in multiple episodes. And then we have the side characters who only have a very handful of scenes throughout the series. So we're going to talk about first top three main characters. So who wants to start? I can go. So this is going to be no surprise to anybody on this podcast. Margo's my number one, of course. Mm -hmm. And it's really tough for me for two and three because they really alternate. But I think where I end up is two is Elliot and three is Quentin. Just to like back up on what I said earlier, I stand by what I said with Quentin. I think him going off the show affected every single person in a different way. And we got to experience their grief, whatever it is. I feel like if Margot left, it'd be a gaping hole in my soul. Like she's such a standalone powerhouse character and she brings such a certain energy. And so does Elliot that I feel like, like in season four, I missed Elliot. He was an awesome big bad as the monster. Yeah. But I missed him. Like I missed Elliot yeah. a lot. Like I felt that a lot. So yeah, those are my top three. It's tough when every single character is walking incredible, but top three. And to your point about Elliot being gone, that I'm gonna get into that when I rank my seasons. Okay. To what you were saying. Okay. So kick us off. Keep going. Mine is tough because like Kathleen was saying, I'm definitely Elliot Margot, and you can flip them. Pretty much one day I'm Margo, one day I'm Elliot. Right now I'm Elliot, then Margo, and then I'm going Josh. Yes. And yeah. Oh, Josh is my boy. Wow. I praise. I feel like he was definitely one of the characters. Like we talk about how Margo grew from season one to season five. Kyle says it in one of our podcast episodes. Josh coming off the bench, man, nailing it. You know, once he starts getting more screen time, I just freaking love him. And even the stuff when like when he was a side character, quote unquote, I wanted more, you know, and when we got more, he nailed it. So mm -hmm. I really I really stand by number three being Josh. Just immaculate vibes from that guy. I'm yeah. super times. surprised that Jimmy being good, the one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Josh is the man. So no cue for you in your top three. No. <laughs> Okay. You want me to say no. Q, Q is number four. I me. think the rest of us are all going to have very similar top threes that all can just Who's the hit same, us with yours, Steve. Mine, I'm looking, <laughs> I won't spoil B Toms, but I'm looking at B Toms. It's the same fucking thing. But I, I have. I won't spoil B Toms. So now, yeah. You know, but B Toms has a lot of good points, though. <laughs> yeah. I like B Toms' points, though. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to spoil it, but this is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to spoil I'm not going to take B Toms' points, but, but I'm, I'm going to read them off here. I'm going to lead us in for B Toms, but our, our top three are. Quentin, yeah, Elliot, and then Margo. And, okay. and then B-Tom's got... There you go. Let's go. <laughs> B-Tom's, what about you? <laughs> Thanks for the introduction to my rankings. I'm glad we agreed, Dave. But yes, Quentin, <laughs> Elliot, Margo, in that order. I just want to defend Quentin as number one. While this show has proven that it doesn't have a main character, he is the leader of the group of nine people. And I sent them a video before we recorded the episode, I go back and forth between Quentin and Elliot, which seems like a consistent theme between mm -hmm. us. We all go back and forth between our favorites. But I just watched this scene in All That Josh when he has this monologue, just like rallying the troops, like, all right, guys, I don't care. Pressure's on. Like, time is running out. We're just going to do this. I don't care what you think. Everyone's just going to fucking sing. And they just get it done. He's the ultimate glue guy. Like, yeah. he mm -hmm. is the bridge between all of these misshapen pieces fitting together in this puzzle that is the nine main characters he is 
the consistent part of the nine. And so Quentin, not my main character, but the leader is my favorite character. Wonderfully put. Love it. So one more time, Dave and Brian, your ordering is Quentin number one, Elliot number two, Margot number three. Okay. I'll jump in next because I'm with you. I think Quentin is the number one character of the show and you nailed it of just why he is the absolute man, the glue. That's the most important thing about him. And then also... If you listen to my favorite episode of by <laughs> Kathleen, yeah. our very own Kathleen, I get very into the fact that I also think that Quentin Coldwater is one of the most relatable main characters across any fantasy sci-fi show ever. And I just think all of that compounds to him being the absolute homie. Plus, his hair goes through the coolest style changes throughout the season. Totally. He's the best. I just want to jump in. I think to your point with Q being the most relatable is why the, f- the finale of season four hurts so bad. Oh my God. Like absolutely. That's why it got me yeah. so bad. So Quentin, number one, Elliot, number two. And if you know anything about me, Alice Quinn's Alice number three. <laughs> yeah. And I was one of the most hurt fans at how much I hated her after she broke up with Quentin and they just had, she had such a rough patch in the middle of the series, mm-hmm. but I think it got so redeemed at the end of season four when her and Quentin had just like perfection again, they called it in a bottle. Kyle, what's the line? Touching um, butts. Touching butts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their thing that they're just <laughs> perfection again there. I was so ready for their relationship to kick back into gear And then season five, just the way she grieved and the way she was, again, just the most arguably one of the most important smart characters. I love Alice Quinn and she's just a top three for me and she's blonde and hot. So (laughs) Kyle, what's the line? I'm going to stop you right there. It's touching butts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's like what B-Tom's got me in the fucking pilot of the hundred. Yeah, dude, he fucking, he just hugged me out to dry with my pants around my ankles. What's the song? I'm going to stop you right there. It's when we come running. <laughs> <laughs> the best part was that I was like sending so many texts before the recording. Like, dude, this song slaps. Like, I can't, I forgot it was in this episode. Like, so hype. So funny. All right, I'll go with my top three. Um, So my number one is Margo. Uh, Queen Margo, the destroyer, the goat, the legend. The funniest character in the television show. We got a nice, you know, emotional side to her towards in the last couple seasons, which was something we were desperately aching for as our, you know, Margot stands, Kathleen and I. Uh, number two is Q. Again, another goat, another legend. I just really think that, honestly, it really comes down to his death. I feel like if he didn't die, I don't know if he would be my second favorite character, but I think appreciating him from that perspective really kind of vaults him up the rankings. I mean, vaults, that's not really the right word because he's up there anyway, but, and number three, this is actually a heartbreaker. I hate, I almost hate to say this, but it's Elliot and not Josh. Josh is my first guy off the bench, but do you have have Josh's number four? Yeah. Josh is number four. I had Josh's three and then I'm just looking at it and it just like, doesn't look right. I mean, Elliot just deserves that spot. Elliot is just, He's got it all, man. He has if on FIFA, he would have a perfect hexagon. He's he's emotional, he's fucking hilarious, like he's somewhat relatable. It's just all of his storylines bar a little bit season four. And Jimmy, I'm sure you'll talk about that. Yeah. When we get into the seasons, like you mentioned, but Elliot is he's just the fucking man. To piggyback off of that, Elliot is my number one. I have the same three of you same three characters pretty much as everybody else, just jumbled up a little bit. Elliot is everything Kyle just said. Um, great fashion sense, great drink sense. He just knows like center of the party. Also, why I like Elliot so much, and it seems dark, his life kind of sucks. Like it's just bad thing after another bad thing after another bad thing. And he 
as Jane Chatwin put it, is like completely positively British about it and stiff upper lip and just takes it and fucking gets on to the next thing. And the way he keeps on trucking just for to save his friends, to help his friends. I just love it. I love Elliot. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to give my boy Eli a fucking rant right there <laughs> if no one was going to do it because that man has had his heart broken on multiple occasions and not even just heartbroken, just literally has had to w- murder his first lover and then watch his other lover die too. Like, come on. That, the character growth for Eli is just <laughs> inc- 10 out of 10 for me. He, Him and Quinn could have been back and forth for me at one and two. And yes. that's not Elephus. That is Elliot. Yeah, that, that is, is Dave's <laughs> weird nickname for Elliot. <laughs> I think that's your best contribution to the pod, man. I love Eli. <laughs> Eli, <laughs> Eli now so on, baby. But Paul, you're right. I mean, even his childhood, every story we've heard from his childhood with his father, like it literally the Netherlands conjured up his or the key, I guess, conjured up his worst fear. And it was his fucking dad. Like, yeah. it's Back on the farm. Dude, that was that was almost up there for my favorite episode. Yeah, that was up there. Really? I was considering that one. Yeah. So the only reason I don't have Q at one is because Elliot was in more episodes and Q left. <laughs> that bastard. <laughs> that bastard. <laughs> Um, and then three, three was just Margo because you know Margo okay, the so best. So we're we're very very similar. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So just to summarize right there, it seems like we're all pretty much in the same headspace when it comes to the main nine. And it's funny that there was no Fen, which isn't super surprising. No Katie, Julia, but no Julia or Penny either. No one, no one put them in their top three. That's interesting. Yeah. Luke's vibes on Penny kind of pushed him out of the. We'll get there. God, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. I don't know. He's, Penny's he, at the very bottom for me, almost. He might have been influenced me yeah all right so these next couple of categories go a little bit quicker because not top three this is your top one mm. so now we're talking supporting characters and this just means a character that has been important to the plot and has been throughout multiple episodes so who wants to kick us off here so tough. let's go backwards go ahead paul uh does anybody else have hymen i counted him as a side yeah he's, he's only been three episodes, three episodes. yeah I have him as a side. Yeah, yeah. he has to be side. So you got to think like Fog, Marine. Oh, it was going to all hop Anyone that's a yeah, anyone that's like a real just, character that isn't. I would say ten hop episodes in. or more. I thought he was in more than three. Sorry. Fog. I just think for me, Fog. Just it also helps that we've seen so many time loops of Fog and all of the different acts and shenanigans that he can get into. It just. <laughs> Nice drink of water there, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I thought I, I, thought I was like bathroom. He always Found does muted though. He always yeah, does. I, I could have sworn I was muted. I'm so sorry. And that's why there was literally the last sip that's in here. So it's as loud and gross as fuck. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, fog overall, just because we've seen so many different sides of him, and he's just we've seen like sober fog, we've seen wasted fog, party fog, we've seen it all. Angry fog. So he's for me, he's just my favorite uh, supporting character. I agree with you. He's my favorite supporting character. I mean, the fact that he has gone through hell 40 times, 39 times. Yeah. And he knows it's going to happen again or something similar to it. The way he just takes it for the squad. I love it. I mean, he tries his best to help out every time he he goes blind, gets his hands ripped apart. I mean, Mm -hmm. and he comes back swinging. I, I love him. And he knows everybody, man. So many cool connections. Truly. So mine was Henry Fogg, a.k.a. Hank Fogg. So my backup one, since we don't like to repeat, is none other than the legend, Todd Muffin. (laughs) Knew it. (laughs) Honestly, the worst part of the show is that Todd should have had a bigger role, but it's all good. He he didn't get a good ending, but 
You know yeah. what's crazy? I would consider Hyman more of a supporting character than I would Todd. I would think of Todd as more of a side character, even though the quantity of episodes, he is not nearly as much as a, of a plot driver as Hyman. That might be a good that. hot take for later. Dude. I feel you, though. But I do no, feel you. I mean, I, Luke, you seem to be nodding along with I feel no, like no, I, I feel like Hyman helps push the plot along more in his couple. Okay, but... No, that means I'm on your side. So... <laughs> <laughs> no. okay. yeah, I'm sorry. I just had. I just had. He's like, okay, you piece make. of shit. Let's. <laughs> I needed someone to disagree, and I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna be mad at you, Jim. <laughs> I uh, have Fog, Zelda, Marina. You add Todd to that. Todd to that list. There's one odd man out. In wow, terms you just of you just had some power rankings right yeah, there. Also, yeah, you just stole answers. Brian. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> I actually have a pretty unique answer. I think because I'm just infatuated with the character himself. My favorite supporting character is Martin Chatwin. And I think oh, yeah, the Beast is just the equivalent in hype of, as Voldemort. Like to me, like I absolutely love him. He kicked the series off, the pilot off in one of the most just unexpected, horrifying scenes where he rips Fog's eyes out and, you know, just his, his boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom, his, his motif, yeah. his step, the flies, like, or the moths, like everything about Martin Chatwin and him being like the six fingered, just evil version of Quentin who loved Fillory so much that he decided to just manifest himself as like the king of Fillory. I just, everything about him is, is just my favorite. And I think he adds so much to the story and I'm so happy that he came back in the very end and the finale, even though I would have appreciated maybe like two episodes of him in season five, but so all was, in all, he's amazing. I was reading on Reddit. Someone was thinking along those same lines. He said, I really wish they had introduced this Martin Chatwin coming back into the fold, like right after they dealt with the convergence, like around episode eight or something mm -hmm. in the yeah. final season. If they had like a five episode run with him and that kind of escalated until the finale, that would have been great. Right. Yeah. I think that's an excellent choice for Martin Chatwin. I think that we get his villain origin story so planned out too. I mean, talk about a shitty fucking life. Mm -hmm. I mean, Christopher Plover is arguably what like caused all of this stuff. I love the Fillory lore so much. And the fact that our original beast, who's everything Luke said, so fucking cool stemmed from what Quentin loved so much was genius. Mm -hmm. It's devastating and genius. I love that as an answer. The beast is a perfect answer, I think. Yeah. So I'll jump in here and I definitely had fog as number one. I would almost put fog as number 10 of the main characters. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but nah, um, next for me was tough. I'm going to go Marina. Oh, stole yeah. Marina is my girl. I think that she's such a good foil for them. Meaning, like, she's not always the main villain. She started off being a pretty high villain for them as, like, a non-beast villain. But just every time she comes in and they and they utilize her, they utilize her. I just, I just love every scene that she's in. I just think the actor was great. I think the character was great. She's awesomely awful all the way up until the end. I loved her. Yeah, I'll piggyback. Um, so I'll just give my ranking since I'm last. Mine was Marina Fog Zelda. Part of the, my favorite parts of the books, right, is that Julia becomes one of the most powerful magicians and she's a hedge witch, right? She, her working her way through the hedge witch system is one of my favorite parts of the books. Marina is that, basically. I mean, I know she had uh, almost graduated from Breakbills, but they took that from her. They took those memories from her and all of her skills and stuff. And she learned it back. And she's the baddest bitch ever. She's so fucking great and cool. 
Um, and she ends up like serving the plot a lot. That's you don't think saying, she yeah. would after she obviously dies. So it's cool that we got her back as Marina 23. Um, but for Zelda, I mean, Zelda pr- pretty much speaks for herself. It's, it's another fog where you need her. What? What are you doing? So Zelda was my favorite. So I just gave a boom, boom, boom. Those were the three names I had. Zelda is okay. my favorite side character or yeah. supporting character rather. And and to Jimmy's point, I would put Zelda uh, as a right under fog. Above just... uh, Penny. Probably, <laughs> not in a reggae, I just mean as a series regular, like yeah. she could have been pumped up. Yeah. Um, she's a genius. She's a master magician. I loved her arm thing. I thought she was charming. <laughs> I loved Harriet as her daughter. And I liked those two at odds, kind of like the librarian and and, and Harriet going against the man. Mm-hmm. And I like that Zelda ended up being on our side, even though she caused some trouble in the middle. But yeah, those three. I, you can't go wrong with Fog Marina or Zelda. I will say that is one of the what the hell storylines that i've ever heard in my life was harriet and zelda being mother and daughter was one of the most out of left field things i've ever seen in my life that was awesome like they they harriet was known for almost like a half a season at that point or full should season. watch dark i was just gonna say you know plot development's great and it's fun and it's kind of the backbone of the story but come on todd <laughs> Todd was my number four. Actually. That's what his hands was all Wait, for. Wait, you didn't go. Yeah, he did. He I mean, Todd. you did go. He said Todd. <laughs> Fucking right, I said Todd. Oh, oh, oh. So I, I, okay. I actually just want to jump in and say that no matter what, Fog was my number one. But to Luke's point, I act, I put the villains as their own thing. Me too. And if I would have counted Martin, he would have been my number two supporting. Because okay. I mean, Luke already He's nailed amazing. it. Amazing. Going from this menacing fucking beast in season one to what they did with him in two which i really think the transition from one to two they really cranked up the whimsical the whimsy of it all and just to make him this like theater guy singing and being all wacky and julia being so fed up with him was pure comedy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. perfection so good all right so let's move on to the last of the first round of favorites we're going to hit side character and again this is just going to be a one hitter just tell me who you liked as just a one-off character that the magicians brought to the screen and I could start this one just because I counted Hyman as yeah. this. And I think hands down, he was the funniest and pound for pound plot wise. Like he didn't get a lot of scenes, but everything he was in really progressed the, the, the story in a, in a positive way. So I, want someone, I love Hyman Cooper. I want someone right now to speak up if Hyman's not their actual answer. Hyman's my number one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Does anyone I, not have Hyman as I, number one? I literally thought Hyman was a supporting character. So, <laughs> so I had Hyman answer. for supporting. Free tweet, Paul. Yeah. I have a great list of side characters. Me too. I'm excited. I'm uh, glad you picked Hyman because I didn't actually want to talk about Hyman, <laughs> even though he was my number one. Yeah. Yes. Hyman would be mine, um, but I had him supporting. So the one I wrote down for my favorite side character was Hades. I really cool. like I really liked Hades. Uh, it was just a really cool take on it. You know, just a normal guy, not this like, you know, big, huge um I respect that. Yeah, yeah I like that. not I was, enough of him. Yeah. I will say his potential was through the roof. Yeah. Like one of the highest of the entire series. And like he's a god. Gods aren't supposed to like think much of humans, but he's actually nice because he does everything for the underworld for yep. the benefit of humans. And you know, he got his heart broken. So you saw that at the at the end too. He was just like a normal person. I loved him. I wish we had more of him. I agree completely. I'll give my shout out to uh Benedict Pick Benedict Pickwick. Nice. 
Yeah, that's a great that was choice. that was my number two behind Hyman. Like, I mean, he might not have, like he might have been a little too cheesy at some points, but dude, he was an MVP. Like being the map maker of for Hades. If it wasn't for Benedict, we'd be screwed a lot of the time. So shout out yeah. to him. That was my choice at number two besides Hyman. That's a good one. I like that he had uh, the best thing about Benedict is his picture of Penny in the underworld. Yeah, Penny. that's the best dude. Okay, he was he was funny, man. Yeah, yeah. his, so his relationship with Penny was great. Amazing. So I didn't have Hyman, my number one side character. My motherfucking boy, Daniel Quinn. Ooh, that is truly insane. Yeah, he's the fucking man, funny. dude. I love him. He puts up with Stephanie Quinn. He is the man. He's so <laughs> funny, funny, dude. Are you? I would like. I'm just thinking of people that like I would no doubt want to be friends with, and the fucking Vulcanalia, whatever Roman parties that they throw, dude. I would want to hang out with Daniel Quinn. He's awesome. <laughs> but Quentin, you've barely touched your penis. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Sir Hargraves Bennett the, the McCovney. Yeah. I will say though that uh my well technically on the document that you sent us, Luke, it says two max. Yeah. So I'm gonna take my two. And uh my second one was Calypso, aka the hottest woman in the show. But if someone had taken Calypso, I was gonna slide in with Captain Hobbs. <laughs> because no one else in the show could not be physically seen but have the impact that they had on me like captain hopston that's so true so. that is that i love that <laughs> okay i can hop in so hyman was my number one and this is this might not count because i think she might actually be supporting but i'm gonna say jane chatwin slash eliza mm, great do you yeah. think that counts she's been in like four she's episodes actually, i would say talk si- about, i would say side counts she's been in a lot I really seven yeah. i think it is i think the number seven you're not as Eliza, though. yeah. <laughs> I just want to say the Magicians is the best at t- talking about packing a punch with the side characters in their small moments they have. They all matter in the long run, even Captain Hops. Hmm. But yeah, Jane Chow, every time she was on screen, specifically in five, the few times we've seen her, like even when she dropped the knowledge to Elliot that she says in the first one, Quentin's best friend died and you think it's Julia, but it was Elliot. Like yeah. certain moments like that, I'm like, only someone like Jane could t- could tell you that. And the whole reason we have the show is because of Jane and the time loops. Yeah, she Talk drives the story in season we one. We love timey-wimey shit on this show. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to... Th- and then The Beast was my third, if I could pick. But I'm going to throw out this name because I know no one's going to say her. Frey, Frail Human. Can I get him? Oh, can I get him? Nah, she didn't do it for me. <laughs> nah, I didn't love her. <laughs> From the name Frail Human, just in general, ah, incredible. She was a biatch. I would have said honorable mentions for myself since I did take the Hyman route was... Pete, lovely, but I don't know if he's supporting or not. And then I also love Mayakovsky, but he didn't Ugh, get so a lot good. of screen time. I actually went a little weird here. Hyman was definitely number one for me, and I like a lot of your guys' answers, but I went enjoyment instead of actually like driving the plot, and I went with Bacchus, dude. Oh, dude, nice. I had him written yeah. down as a backup. That's great. Yeah, like obviously the revelation at the end is not great for him, but when you see him earlier in the show, he's just so good. Yeah. Who did you kill? Yeah. What god did you kill? <laughs> Oh, I don't know him. Yeah. Cool. That's a perfect delivery. Yeah. Actually. So it's funny, Kyle, you pointed out on the spreadsheet, it says two max. I thought that means these characters can only have appeared in two episodes max. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I have some pretty obscure ones, but some ballers nonetheless. So number one is Frankie Gallo. Frankie, the dude that made the good luck uh, teddy bear oh, thing. Love that oh, guy. Shit. That's good. That's number good. two is the Knight of Crowns when they all got crowned, that ancient oh knight God. sitting by the Incredible. water. When he gives them loose. <laughs> yeah. Grease, whatever the fuck. What's the guy saying? He's like, you know of Swayze. <laughs> yeah. You know of Swayze. 
Uh, number three is Joe, the Quinn's friend who is from the sex planet and is a traveler who nice. helps Q fuck Alex. I thought of that too. I was yeah, like, this dude, guy fucks, dude. Stephanie <laughs> was just like, we love Joe. So do I. Yeah. And number four, surprised it had to come all the way back around to me for this guy to get a name drop the binder oh, oh that's a great good. one the binder yeah. is interested exactly. <laughs> and while we're nailing just you know very small characters i also think the one dude was hilarious the guy in the last season who was the like the vet that helped out plumber oh, yeah yeah he was hilarious was so good yeah so nobody had the whales nobody had the whales <laughs> Vitos love the whales <laughs> So our next topic here, we're just going to kind of free ball this. So I don't know how this is going to go, but we're going to do a mini bracket of the strongest magicians. And the caveat we have here is that no gods are going to be included. It's just going to be an eight person bracket quick. We're just going to go around vote for who would win in a fight. And another caveat is everyone's in their primes except for Julia. She's included in this bracket because she can't be a goddess. Be a goddess. Question. Alice Niffin. Don't count it. Oh, that was the other because thing. It's I didn't post sniffin, so yes, best. Post sniffin. Post sniffin. Yeah. yeah, but okay, but not counting her as a niffin. No, 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 no. no. Okay, it's a... basically where she left off because she's at her peak now. She's a master magician. No, no, she's too. missing a hand. So we're gonna start off with our <laughs> with my. I just kind of seated them quickly, so just to make it a little bit easier here. So we're gonna start off with our one seed versus our eight seed here. We have Martin Chatwin, the Beast versus Quentin Coldwater. <laughs> Son yeah. of a bitch. The beast. I'm putting my vote in the beast. Is, is this a sweep? Does anyone have any arguments out there that Quentin could take the beast? No. 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 I went to break bills for one yeah. year. Bro. I have Quentin as my last on the entire list. Right, right, right. So Quentin. you saw what happened. That's why you have him as it's gonna get a little yeah. bit it's gonna get a little bit more controversial as we go, but yeah. this was the easy sweep. We've already right? seen that fight and it does not go well for Quentin. We've seen Martin Chatwin versus like a, a a few of these people Many on the list at the same time. Yeah. That wasn't their peak, though, I will say. Yeah. All right. So number the next round, we're going to have Jane Chatwin versus Mayakovsky. Oh, shit. I so will... are we talking like actual fighting or just their power? I think we're going to have to talk fighting. Just oh. if they were to fight as master magicians, because they're I both think that pretty makes up a lot there. Easier then. Yeah. They're yeah. trying to kill each other, right? So whoever wants to speak for either side, step up and then let anyone else right now like my instant thought was Mayakovsky yeah. and I'm just going to leave it at that's my vote yeah uh, I 100% agree because Jane's power is mostly time so if like she can't like if she can do a time loop and try to figure out like 40 different times a way to defeat Mayakovsky <laughs> maybe yeah. well, she but, still like, couldn't figure it out for the beast mostly but yeah. we're working under a lot of assumptions here so take it as you will if, yeah. you, if time magic can be used in a battle yeah. way then you have to take that into account uh, so Kathleen once you said they're trying to kill each other I was like okay Mayakovsky is definitely gonna fucking kill Jane Chatwin in that uh, scenario alright I'll jump in I'm definitely saying Mayakovsky I think that it's arguable that in general she's one of the top three strongest magicians uh, just because of the time loop power. But we also know from the beast, if she dies at any time, the time loops are done. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if Mayakovsky kills her, she can't just go back in time and restart and try again. So hundred percent Mayakovsky. He's also just has the attitude for it. He's going to fuck yeah. her. Up. I mean, he, I just feel like hammer drunk. in my heart, he's dabbled in some darker things than Jane has, even though Jane's seen some dark shit. I don't think. Yeah, Mayakovsky. I'll say Mayakovsky, but Jane, you're my girl. Love Anyone it. fighting for Jane here, Kyle? No, I just I like the way you said that. I was going to make the same point, Kathleen, that 
I we just haven't seen everything of Mayakovsky. He's definitely the the little fucking corners of magic that he's been to, I think, that they didn't show us, just give him the edge. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So it sounds like we have a pretty clean sweep there. And our next matchup, this is getting a little bit closer. We have Alice Quinn versus Dean Fogg. Mm. And the, this is Alice Quinn. I'll go. I'll I just want to put the caveat out there. Like Dean Fogg is a master magician confirmed. He can, he can live through the time loops and remember them. That's that alone is pretty powerful. But Alice is post Niffin, meaning she has, more knowledge than Dean Fogg hands down how much she retains is up for debate. And then it comes back to raw power and just who's better at casting. Cause Alice has, okay. So hit me. <laughs> Alice Quinn is the answer. Yeah, I'm ready for the, and argument. I'll tell you why we actually have seen Dean Fogg get beat a lot on this show. I mean, I will argue this all the time. Dean Fogg, you done this 40 times. You walk into that classroom and he just fucks you up and rips your eyeballs out. You don't have anything else better planned after 40, 39 times getting killed. I will like, say fog looks at his watch and says, no, this is way earlier. Yeah. That is the be. first time that matter. happens. The minute the time yeah. restarts, you're like, okay, how do I kill him? This? How do I try and kill him? Like, you know, he's coming, whatever. But well, regardless, I think it's a fair fight. The strongest, the I think it's a very fair fight. Um, But I really just think it's Alice. I, I, I don't know. I think she's, she showed so much potential show so early. And now that she's at her peak, I don't know. I just got to give it to my girl, Alice Quinn. I'll back you up and also say that the task of killing the beast was giving to like Alice and that group of kids and not to Dean Fogg, you know, like, right. Totally. So and Alice was Alice? the one at the fin- at the end of the day who they were like, all right, you're going to do the Rhineman Ultra and fucking kill the beast. So it's harder, though. Dean. D- <clears throat> Ugh, <God>. We're talking. <laughs> bro, yeah, bro. Big bro. B taught her. What yeah, are you talking Big about? He taught it, but, but he knows he knows it, though. Uh, he had to go and find go. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, based off what I was just saying, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to still say Alice. Woo! Let's, Girl hear, power. let's hear the fights for the other side. Anybody who's got fog. I have fog too. I I think Zelda's stronger than Alice. You guys yeah, don't take into it. You guys do not weigh that. They made a point to say that she forgot a lot of her Niffin stuff, yeah. like the majority of it. She was trying to write it down on the floor in Break Bill South because she could feel it escaping her brain. Yeah. The whole point is she's not a Niffin anymore. She is very much handicapped after that Niffin experience. And no, but you can't take away from the fact that she is the prodigy. Like she's the smartest magician. She's smarter than Fog. She might not know as much from life experiences, but she is. I think better at understanding magic. I would say not by much. I think you might be understanding oh, what that. we know about Fog. And two, I still think prime of what we saw Alice in the show is less than Fog, who is much older. She's in her mid twenties, so prime. She probably would get stronger. She has more natural ability, but Prime, from what we've seen, is not better than Fog. I will say, I agree with you, B. Tom. If we got more seasons of Alice, of her growing, I think she would become stronger than Fog. But at the peak of what we saw, I would say Fog. So I 100% agree with Brian. I definitely think that she is the most powerful magician, raw power potential but i also think that there are situations even in season five where she needs someone like zelda to teach her about circumstances in your own body a magician a master magician teaching her how to be better she figured out the battle magic with um penny penny without needing the emotion bottle but at the same time you know how often do we see her 
actually fighting and not just do like being like Luke said, the knowledgeable person to help them figure everything out. Yes, she is the, I think she is the most raw power in all of them, but I think that I'm going to put Zelda in here too. Fog and Zelda just being the master magicians would win in a fight right now. She yeets Julia after she almost becomes a vampire at one point. She yeets her, fights her a little bit. I said that same thing in Rooks and Vets. I was just yeah. like, by virtue of them being labeled master magician, that means that they have clout. That means they are more powerful than the students of Breakbills. Why would like, say Alice is a master magician? Yeah, I, by the nobody end, calls is, it that. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. How, what is what, what does why, master magician mean? Zelda said, "I knew you'd always something. get there." That's all I need. I mean, know. is like I mean, oh, Martin Chatwood's not a master magician? <laughs> let's ask saying, our boy uh, Rick Worthy. He said that because he's the dean. He doesn't need to do all the hand stuff. Uh, That's that what was, I'm saying. You guys are saying stuff. she's the best spellcaster. He doesn't even have to like cast. He, he just like he has short, it. Yeah, he has shortcuts to the to the casting. I was Zelda. actually going to mention too. In my mind, I think Alice is just book smart. Like if you left them, like if you force them immediately to like start killing each other, I think Dean Fogg wins in that matchup. Like I think he's a better caster, like we said. Yeah, but if it was like great. if they were put on an island, in an like in an island where they had time yeah. to plan out each other's deaths and stuff like that. I think you give it to Alice, but like if it's off the draw, like go fucking wow. fight right now. I'm in with yes. everything Dave yeah, just said. Dave. I don't know. Just convinced I just, me. <laughs> if, I mean, if, if, the, if it lasts more than like a couple days, I'm going to give it to Alice. But if it's like within a day, give it to Fog. I mean, nice. just battle experience straight up. Fog has a ridiculous amount more because of the timelines alone. Fog's so. got his suit. All right. I don't think you can say that Fog's lived all his timelines and that it gives him more battle experience. I mean, do, does it? He remembers everything. Yeah, but he like dies in every single one of them. So, but you Almost. still get the experience from that battle, and the best lessons are the ones that you learn when you fuck up. I'm gonna tell you something right the fuck now. You're only as good as your last time loop, and the boy got his <laughs> eyes ripped out. <laughs> no, you're you're full of shit on that. One. I'm thinking when it comes down to a clutch gene. Alice Quinn has that clutch gene. She has that killer instinct. She fucking died. She's dude. scrambling. She knows that people are turning over to fog over Alice. Yeah, she's scrambling. You scrambling. <laughs> Me? Call her eggs because she's scrambled. You just hear the faint eggs. <laughs> you, guys, you, guys, you guys think that Hermione's the best battle? You win. Eggs. Hermione or McGonagall. Yeah. Or Dumbledore. But I mean, even out of the three. I mean, she's the smartest, but that doesn't mean she's Why the best at fighting. Well, okay. Potter, Dumbledore has the fucking Elder Wand, no, no, so. I'm talking just even out of Harry, Ron, Hermione. and Hermione. Minus Elder Wand. Hermione would smoke their ass. No, dude. Harry Harry taught defense against the dark arts, not Hermione. You don't think Hermione could have taught defense against the dark arts? No, not, not Everybody taught Harry defense did. against the dark arts. Yeah. Gildor Lockhart taught defense against the dark arts. That is not that high of a position. I'm talking about the, the Dumbledore's army. But that's like... I don't know. That's like what his he's the leader. She's not a leader. It's like like Michael Jordan wouldn't be the bat like a he's not a basketball coach. He can't coach basketball because he's too good at it. Hermione's just too good at it. Kai, any final words on this one? Nope. All right. So fog <laughs> advances. Yeah. <laughs> Last matchup of the first round. We have Julia versus Zelda. Oh, hands down. Sweet. Zelda. Bring out it. the broom. Zelda. I would have loved Julia okay. versus Alice. That would have been fun. Yeah. I just want to say that we have barely mentioned Julia's name in the past hour, I I which I think that. is something that I've been noticing. <laughs> like no one named her a main character. She didn't really get talked about at I all, except for the fact that name. she just got she, swept by Zelda. <laughs> her her highest high and her lowest low, I feel like was the closest out of any of the characters, if Which, that makes sense. Wait, what does that she mean? She was that... so even keeled. She was oh, kind of like. Oh, I thought you were going to say the opposite. I feel like people really don't like Julia in the beginning. That's no, my so... hot take is that I love her from the start. I uh, know I don't like her. 
I didn't like her in the, the first <laughs> watch through, but after I loved her, I did. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of hard. I actually to be went biased. the opposite. That's yeah. very interesting, Paul. Her highest high and her lowest low are even keeled. Are, are very yeah. close together compared to some of the other characters for me personally. Yeah, you're right, though, Kai. We haven't talked about her at all. All right. So let's go into our second round. This one should be a little bit more interesting, but I still think this might has this has a chance of sweeping. We have Martin Chatwin versus Dean Fogg. And Martin we kind Chatwin. of already we yeah. saw, yeah. We saw the end of this at the end of the pilot. Martin. And yeah, yeah, so we're gonna we're just gonna put Chatwin right above there. And then we have Mayakovsky versus Zelda. That's a good one. That's yeah, a really good. That is a good one. Mayakovsky. I go Mayakovsky. I also well. go Mayakovsky. Wow, I was going to say Zelda just because of the infinite knowledge she has. I'm, basically, uh, exactly. I was going to say Zelda okay. because she okay. has she has a library of whatever she wants. She has the lives of other people in a book that she could read if she wanted to. Tag you're taking you're taking the flip side. You're taking the flip side of the Alice Fox. She has no time to prepare. Yeah, right. She's not preparing. Okay. Just- all right. Well, I will say she was still exposed to all this unbelievable amount of information that she okay i go back to the katie and the zelda scene when they were in the poison room and they were looking for a book yeah. and katie's trying her fucking hardest and she's st- saying a spell in some language and zelda's like hey like do you mind if i try and she says like one word and like snaps her fingers right to her hand and it shows how fast she can read you know how many books she's been through yeah I said Mayakovsky's still out. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm saying Zelda too. Also, I feel like if it's just like like we said, just quick draw, go at it, fight. I think there's nothing that Mayakovsky throws at Zelda that Zelda hasn't already seen and or read about in her lifetime. Like, there's no way Mayakovsky I think would be able to surprise her. Yeah, she already I, read his book, so she knows exactly the. Oh well, yeah, okay, do. maybe if we're going to talk to that, yeah. <laughs> I actually think if anybody is going to surprise, surprise her, it would be Mayakovsky. I agree with that also. That if anyone was going to, but like I don't know. Yeah, it's Tag. so tough. I'm Tag. still sticking with Zelda. I'm still sticking with Zelda. <laughs> I'm scared. I am voting for Zelda. Yeah! And I just have to. So it's the difference in how they've spent their years. You know, well, one Zelda, we don't even know how old she is. She could have been around for centuries. Mayakovsky's an older guy, but he spent his years being an alcoholic like he does not have the kind of mental fortitude that zelda has wherein she spent her years in the library just accumulating knowledge also i have to imagine that she is more in control of her internal circumstances because mayakovsky is a mess so yeah i would give the edge to her all things considered like she see i don't know just has it all together Zelda's going to beat Mayakovsky because she's a nerd. That's what you just said, basically. Mayakovsky is going to kill, is going to beat Zelda because Mayakovsky is a motherfucking killer. He has that edge. He's got that killer instinct, that game seven. Give me the fucking ball. I'm taking the (laughs) shot. We've also seen an average magician turn him into a bear. So doesn't work like that magic wasn't it magic was so sparse like he couldn't defend himself with magic as well yeah, the battery but was the only source of magic i'm gonna do. say mayakovsky i'm taking the mayakovsky yeah. side and i just think that all this stuff that you guys are saying like zelda had all this time to read these books the people the kind of people that invented the magic to even make these books are Mayakovsky. Yeah. Like he is arguably, he's the most powerful magician Earth has almost ever seen, besides, I guess, Chatwin, maybe. Really? You think that? Uh, dude, Probably, the way they so. talk about him, he could have been a main character. He's like Alice Quinn if, if he stayed on the right path, basically. 
sorry, Alice Quinn would, would become Mayakovsky if she went down the self-deprecating path, in my opinion. And I just think, you know, he he knew stuff about traveling. Like he helped. What did he do? Help create the time. Like who did he when Quentin came back in time? Right. Yeah. Like he helped what was going on. I just think. And also, if you're just going to go, you if you're going to go pure surface level, I think Mayakovsky is probably better at battle magic than yeah, Zelda. I mean, you guys convinced me. I just like what's Zelda the better. what's the count here? Yeah. So, all right. I, everyone for Zelda, raise their hand. I'll stick with my vote, but I think you guys convinced me Mayakovsky anyway. That's three. Kyle, you're Mayakovsky. Okay, so Mayakovsky wins. Yeah. Like, uh, that was a fucking close one, though. Yeah. I did I did one. initially vote for Zelda, but I think Mayakovsky, he's the kind of dude that looks at you and is like probably thinking of like three different ways to kill you. Yeah. Can I say one thing? Um, I loved Zelda's death. I thought it was like fucking chic like she's the cool like it's a cool death mm-hmm. like getting that dip from the beast she didn't really even try to fight she just like kind of was like all right this is it this is mine but i think that speaks more to how strong the beast is we are in the finals and we have martin chatwin versus mayakovsky and this is going to be another sweep yeah i don't think it's close so martin chatwin is the strongest non-god of the series i honestly had zero idea where you were going on that one a clean sweep i was like i don't know who he's about to say mayakovsky. Oh, really? otherwise mayakovsky yeah, wait you said mayakovsky yeah oh okay wait, i thought you beast? meant the beast Oh, I yeah, thought you. I thought you. No, no, you're clean... saying Mayakovsky wins. No, 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 no. Okay, oh, okay. You yeah. said there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Sorry, okay, Chatwin is the strongest magician, yeah. the strongest non-god of the series. Look, like if Mayakovsky was going to win that, like they would have, the magicians didn't even need to become a series. He would have just stepped in and just fucking yeah. stopped the whole sure, plot sure. from happening in the first place. I, I will say though, I would love to see Mayakovsky and the Beast dropped on an island, and Mayakovsky having time to scheme up some shit. It's interesting, though, because I think out of this whole list, the beast is the close to not being human. I mean, he doesn't have a shade. He's got an extra finger like he's warped so much that he's almost not human. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm happy that Mayakovsky's the strongest. Yeah. It's not him. I agree with that. I'm happy with that. Who wins the beast or Q beast? <laughs> Definitely Q beast. Martin. Mar Beast wins that. Hugh has <laughs> never been hotter than when he was. Yeah, man, he was hot right during now. that scene. Sexy. So if we're good there, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to get too controversial. I'm happy we just Wait, got to. So the chat win. Okay, okay. relaxed. <laughs> yeah. I truly come on. That wasn't clear. No one voted I, against Martin the entire tournament like you shouldn't. He's just the strongest. He's the man. Yeah. Right. All right. So let's move on to favorites. Part two. So this one's going to step away from characters and we're going to pick more immaterial things here. We're going to start off with everyone's rankings of the seasons. So Jimmy, kick us off here. Three, two, four, five, one. So I think three is going to sweep as number one. The seven keys quest, my two favorite episodes, which I'm not going to say yet. They're just beasting it. Um, I think for putting season two, as my number two, the heist episode was a really high episode for me. And I think that going from season one to two was such an up in quality to me. Like I thought, given Margo more more time, the comedy went way up. I just enjoyed that as, you know, I think that the jump in quality actually might have biased me to making it number two. I then went four and I think that number four definitely had some problems with it just because of the fact that we didn't get Elliot. And that's what I was going to say when you were talking about Elliot, I missed Elliot way too much when he was the monster. I think that it was pretty anticlimactic with the ending of the monster 
Um, and the I, sister and stuff. Sister, yeah. I think that the sister wasn't even needed. I don't know if that's going to be a hot take for later or not. I don't like Julia's acting. I'll jump in and say I actually liked that that gave them something in season five to connect with, even if it was just for a second. Like, I, Julia can understand where Elliot was coming from because of it. Yeah, that's fine. And then five and then one. And I just say think that one is... I just think it's the world building, but it's the least strong. You know, I don't really have any other reason besides that. I can go because this seemed to be a little bit harder for everybody. But for me, it was kind of straightforward. And it's because of nostalgia. I bet. I believe I'm the only one who has this. For number one, I have season two. And that's because me, Luke and Kathleen were like the only ones that like watch it at this point. And me and Luke watching it week to week, just being kind of introduced to Fillery and still having it earth i was watching and i would be like i have no fucking clue where this could possibly go i have no idea who the bad guy fillery is how it works and i think just learning all about fillery that different world i was just so immersed the conclusion of the beast three episodes into season two and then you get alice Mm. being gone i mean there are so many good parts and i i can't just whenever I think of watching the magicians, I think of season two. Nice. And then just to rattle off the rest of the list, season three is my number two because the quest is just so good. Season one is actually my third favorite, just because it's to me, it's the introduction to everything, and it's just so captivating. And then five is my fourth, and then my least favorite is season four, just because wow. without Elliot, yeah, man. I just I wow. missed Elliot so much. I kind of want to hop in here because we have a very similar top three. I'm glad you pointed out everything you liked about season two because I want to agree with all that. I oh. thought season two was a great pickup from season one, and I loved season one too. Like I thought the whole world being introduced was amazing, and then season two just went above and beyond for that. So that's why I have season two as number two. Number three, uh, season three is my favorite, as Jimmy said. I think that's just by far perfect television right there. Then I have, so at the three spot, I kind of went out of order for that. I'm sorry. But at the three spot now, I have season one because like Paul alluded to, just the whole world building, it just got me hooked on it. Like with the beast being introduced, it was just such a roller coaster. Then I have season four, which definitely, like everyone said, without Elliot, just wasn't the same. And then my least favorite was five, personally. That's crazy because defend that. So I'm going to defend five being my least favorite because the other seasons just did something like they made me feel so good while I was watching. Like I just knew that there was so much more to look forward to where season five, it felt like when I was watching that, I knew that this was coming to an end. Like they had to end it all. It just just being bitter. I guess. Yeah. Because there was just so many concepts that we got introduced to in season five, like time traveling and like all this other stuff that just would have been great TV for season six, seven, whatever have you. It's like all the plum. And maybe stuff. it is because I'm butthurt that it got short handed from the beginning to end. The plots just felt like they kept coming out of left field. The plots of season one to four all kind of tie in together. Like the keys being season three, then leading to the beast in season four are not like the, the beast, but the monster. Whereas season five, we get just random yeah. coincidences happening. So listen, some one of the seasons I loved the it. Favorite, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, we were talking this before the podcast. This was fucking hard for me. Like, yeah. I don't want to put season five at the worst because it was the ending of a great TV show. You know, yeah. so mm-hmm. it was tough for me, but that's how I would put it. I'm going to continue the trend. Season three is my favorite for obvious reasons. Quest for the Keys was just unbelievable. So such a great quest. My second favorite is season one and i don't think i gained as much appreciation for 
any season upon rewatching than I did for season one. When I was doing this, I looked through all the episode listings and I'm just looking through like unauthorized magic is the pilot. I thought this has a very strong pilot. Then I'm going through the world in the walls. That's the mental hospital shake it off episode. I'm like, mm. damn, that was in season one too. Uh, Menning's major and minor. That's the Welters tournament. Then the Mayakoski circumstances break bill South. Then the writing room is the haunted house episode. You're I'm like, God right damn, are all of these in season one. Yeah. And of course the season one finale is insane. Uh, I'm sorry. 39 graves is when they go julian q finally reconcile and are chasing through time that was unbelievable it's like oh my god i'm the fool and the witch it's like mm. who's who it's like haha but that's season one season <laughs> one is incredible yeah wow to go off that season one has the best rewatch value i believe just because you know the opening scene jane chatwin and dean fogg yeah. talking on the bench and you so have really. no idea what they're talking about and then you watch again and you're like this is mind-blowing yeah. they already know all this stuff Yes, I agree, B-Tom. Season one is way up there. Like I said, for reasons like that, you just gain an appreciation for it only upon a rewatch, for sure. Then season two, introduction to Fillory is awesome. Just more world building and the Beast is still alive and well. So dealing with him, he's such a great villain. And my final two in order are season four, season five. I think I just missed Q more than I missed Elliot because Elliot was still there. He was just monster Elliot. Season five just had no Q. Season five was great. Love season five. Um, I think it had some pacing issues that any series that didn't know it was going to wrap up would have. But season five was so strong. That's my list. Three, one, two, four, five. Damn, this is super unique. All of our answers. None of us are on the same page, really, besides about season three. But I'll follow this up. So how I have it in my mind always is I have the back three seasons as tier one and I have season one and two as tier two. So I have it as three, four, five, two, one. And Mm. the reason I say that season three was perfection. I don't need to talk about it. I think that's one of the best seasons of television. (laughs) I want to talk about season four as my second favorite because a lot of you guys had that a little bit lower. And I think season four was so good to me. I will agree that it was very, very top heavy, meaning the finale for that episode uh, for that season with Quentin dying was probably the most emotional episode of television I've ever watched across anything like of my entire life. And that's probably why it's so high on my list, because my God, man, like yeah. I'm not I don't I don't cry at anything when it comes to television or movies, but that was it. Like yeah. that was the episode that made me do it. And it was just to me the perfect completion of Quentin Coldwater's arc and back to the other list. Like he was my favorite character. I just thought season four was fantastic. And I loved, I think the apocalypse episodes in season five single-handedly raised season five above one and two because man, Elliot shines better than he has throughout the entire series there. So I loved it. You cried, you little bit. Fuck, dude. It was so intense, man. I I think we all cried. I think it's very easy, like especially for me to change my answer based on your guys' answers. I'm going to stick with what I said, but yeah, it's... Dude. It's it's important to say that it's like literally one A B C D E. Yeah. Nothing nothing all. was bad at yeah. all. 100%. No, nothing was bad. And just man, I'll never hear take on me again without yeah. like feeling something. It's funny that you mentioned that Jimmy that it's hard not to change. I have literally changed my rankings for the my three, four, and five, the third, fourth, and fifth favorite seasons. Every time someone has talked, <laughs> so but yeah, so I'm just gonna roll in with what I have right now. Number one would be season three. Uh, Number two would be season four. Uh, A lot of that has to do with the fact that I think my absolute favorite scene in the entire show is Fog kind of settling all his debts. (laughs) That's absolute classic. That's season four. (laughs) I had season five as my third favorite season. I think 
it's ha- it's definitely a little bit of recency bias. If we're talking about like things that happen in a season, I think just the group of things that happen in season five, it's one of my favorite, you know, groups of events. And that doesn't make a lot of sense until I say like as a coherent story, it's not as good as season two or season one, but just like the things that were happening and the character interactions that we get in season five, were just, you know, almost as good as it gets to the magicians. And then my fourth favorite season, I have season two. And then my least favorite, which sounds horrible to say, is season one. So yeah. exactly my rankings. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, nice. Honestly, I didn't want to just lead with that, say that, and then it not be that. So I figured I'd let you say that after I, I just finished. want to go ahead and say that that was really hard for me to be the one who started because I didn't really want to start <laughs> arguing or saying anything. I was just like, season one's my last because <laughs> it's the last. <laughs> yeah. No, I love this variety. Yeah. Yes. Kathleen, you're, you were. Yeah. yeah. This so is it. I came up with one. Season three, obviously, besides Paul Sweep. I just think that the pairings in that season are so good. The uh, different people going on the different quests. Every character is, has really come into themselves by that point. And, and the writers are really fine tuned at that point. Like the writing is perfection. And when you kick it off with like, how long is this quest going to take about a season? Yeah. I mean, fuck me up, you know? Fuck so I'm going to be, I'm going to ride for season five. I thought it was so fun. And I think Season four, which is my last on the on the list, was darker, right? Like Elliot is the monster is darker. Of course, Quentin dying it's, in the beginning of the season. They're not even themselves. Alice is in jail, kind of, you know, it, it's a lot darker, less whimsy, more dark. I love that. But I think that's why it's my last. But for five, I just think they cranked it up to a thousand. It's so funny. Everything's a punchline. The apocalypse is some of my favorite shit ever. They gave us some really good Elliot Alice. Elliot Margo, of course, a lot of Josh, a lot of Fenn. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I think they really came back after Quentin and made it the best they could do. Then I'm going to go season one because it's the OG, then season two, then season four. There you go. So right. as a but, consensus, we seem to have season three as the favorite yeah. of the group and least favorite. It seems to be it's all over the all place. Over the yeah, place. it's really three is is the one. And we all know that that is the peak of the yeah. series so yeah but i can start us off with our next one yeah so is, our next one is just going to be your favorite single episode of the entire series we're all going to sweep this i feel like yeah, a yeah. life in the day yeah. the mosaic episode everybody raise your hand yeah i mean if it's that. not it's just <laughs> peaches and flaws baby yeah but i mean 2018 foria evolved my favorite song my most played song of all time it's it's just really hits you in the gut but i'm gonna wipe that away and say my second favorite is 23 from the same season damn it i hate you you bastard that was my best episode yeah that was me too and then if i had to say a third (laughs) (laughs) apocalypse episodes um you you guys did that with characters fuck you guys but yeah (laughs) i mean just powerhouse episodes take taking us to timeline 23 was a game changer and it really was crossing shit out let me uh, know man let me hop in here and say that peaches and plums was actually my second favorite episode. okay so what's your first art of the deal season three episode 10 finale fucking wait finale or sorry the finale i think it was the finale right with no, uh, that's, that's 10 then. 13, there's 13. or 13 i think it was called was it called art of the deal then? what happened it was basically the McAllisters all get fucked up the fairies and everything yeah. that was the finale of three then three right? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that yeah. was my fucking favorite episode by far I was Dude, when that shit happened man. i was like julia with the umbrella like, so this hot. is fucking dark man they're fucking murdering all these bitches and that was one of actually <laughs> we'll get into it i guess but that was one of my uh 
unfinished storylines that I wish that is one of two shots that take at Donald Trump throughout the series. Yeah, Anyone know that. the second one? You do. Yeah, it's the in the news. In right? season five, the meteors yeah. are coming down. President of America has assured the citizens that they have absolutely nothing <laughs> to fear. I think he said tweet it too or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so much Dave, better. I'll give you a shout out. One of the best cliffhangers, season three finale, when they're not themselves anymore. And Elliot just says, Will you play with me to Quinn? And you're just like, what? Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Come on, like, I've got to, and especially because was that in the so same hot, episode? Yeah. Is that all that's the very end? That's a, that's My very... favorite, ep- yeah. Yeah, fuck you guys. That's guy. the best episode of all um, time. I disagree, but I love that cliffhanger, especially because <laughs> it's not like like Supergirl where it's twenty four episodes and it's like you, it's a summer hiatus. It like ends in April and you have to wait till the following January. Yeah. It's that is was it's a, a killer wait for, for live. Sure. Yeah, I had the mosaic as my number one and then i had the pilot as number two nice. love it that's and, a great yeah. choice well i know that is definitely the, the episode i've watched the most i mean watching for the first time watching the dean get his eyes ripped out mm-hmm. yeah you're like oh my god yeah and then, and then, the then he says quentin Coldwater. there uh, you are and you can't see his, <laughs> the moths you can't see his face yeah. i mean i think it was just the introduction to everything i was buckling my seatbelt. I'm like, I'm fucking <laughs> ready for the re- this ride. 100 should have taken notes on how to do a pilot episode. <laughs> oh, what a <laughs> I, just, I was like, we're getting into this. You better stop. Come on, dude. Dean Fogg getting his cu- eyes cut out and then him knowing the main character already is way oh, we're not. Than, we know that his, Magician's a better show than The Hunter. What's, yeah. what's his name who died or gets fucked up at the end of episode one of the Jasper? <laughs> Jasper yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dean Fogg getting fucked up more meaningful than Jasper. For getting sure. And what's the song? I'll stop you right there. It's called We Call Run- Come Running. <laughs> so that'll bring us to me. And my favorite non-Mosaic episode is Oops, I Did It Again. Yeah. Season five, episode six. Great. Just Margot and Elliot waking up. You're like, we're in a time loop. I knew exactly what the episode was going to be. Not exactly because they brought in whales. I was going to say the bad, whales. But I mean those two just waking up and realizing that they're going to be the heroes of this episode and save everybody. I was just like, take me away. Magicians take me on a journey. (laughs) Feeling the wrong kind of boned right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was perfect. So oops, I did it again. So basically like all of my backups have been taken, but I will say uh, my submission will be a escape from the happy place in uh, season four. This is the episode where we meet Charlton. This is where we get Elliot kind of, realizing that his mistake that is kind of the deepest darkest memory that he has or his deepest regret is that he turned to quentin down that's just kind of like almost perfect television right there and it basically is you know so related to what my actual favorite episode is which is a life in the day i was gonna say that's that's mosaic episode part two yeah i'm surprised charlton didn't get any love for the side character or is he not considered he's he's getting enough love from elliot right now that's true uh, Kai. The glory hole forest. Yeah, I was just gonna say the <laughs> frolicking through the glory hole Kai. forest. Oh, I was just gonna oh, no, back Kyle. up on Kyle real quick. Uh, back it up on Kyle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Talk to me nice. That episode is such a nice reprieve from um, Monster Elliot because you finally get him as himself again, and you get old Quentin, you get Fen with knives, and you get old Mark like uh, Welter's Margot as well. So this is just. Really fun episode. It's also when Alice dumps Christopher Plover into the poison room. Did yeah. you just say that? Oh, nice. No. Okay. <laughs> just so I don't sound like a an idiot, the episode I'm referring to was actually episode 10. So it was episode 10. It just wasn't the finale. So the art of the deal was at season three, episode 10. Gotcha. Okay. My favorite okay. episode. All right. 
Mosaic number one, 23 was number two. Oops was number. No, actually, <laughs> I had number three was Be the Penny. So there's my okay, one. nice. So I love that episode. I went Be the Penny and then I went Oops. So Be the Penny is my only uh, original take. Another great cliffhanger. <laughs> Elliot's like, oh, hey, Penny. He's like, yeah, yes. yeah, that was amazing. a great cliffhanger. Yeah. Oops, I did it again. All like the first thing I think about is Elliot holding the baseball glove and can we make a giant one? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to end this. And then it's also going to take us into the next topic because you guys took all mine mosaic and 23 were my top two. So the one I'm going to submit is all that Josh. And I just think it was so fucking good. We got, this is the epitome of, in my opinion, season three, the whole squad working together. Brian kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, how Quentin gives just a super quick motivational speech to bring the squad together while everyone's dealing with death level threats at the same time, but they need to come together. Katie crushes the singing in this episode. My God, that's so good. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, we get a highlight of Todd, who's not really Todd in this scene, but you know he's still great. I just thought all that Josh was fantastic. And that was the prime of all of our favorite seasons. So love that one. Great. Everybody has to sing. (laughs) How good, man. So this will be a quick hitter of everybody's favorite musical musical number, I guess, throughout the series. And mine, of course, is going to be under pressure and all that Josh. Yeah. Yep. Under pressure. I actually had take on me. Yeah. That's that's a tough one. Number two. Yeah. I mean, too, too many fucking feels and beautifully, beautifully done. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my second one was uh, all that Josh when Josh is coming down the stairs. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's so good. I think that is my favorite Josh. He is so happy. He's at the top of the stairs. He takes a rip from that like <laughs> random pipe he has, and then he's like, "All right, it's your time." And then he <laughs> so just knocks everybody's socks off. He's so good. I would say that's his episode to make him a main character. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. That's the emphasis so of it. So, so of course, good. we love that one. I'll go. I have take on me. For every reason that we've said, whether it's about the Q thing or what Paul just said, and then I want Cruel to be kind. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought Kathleen was going to say that one. Yeah, that's my number three. I'm <laughs> under pressure, take on me, Cruel to be kind. I mean, under pressure makes me feel crazy. I <laughs> I could rip through the, I could run through that wall thinking about under pressure. I just think that's so perfect where they're all separate, but it feels like they're all together. Oh man, I think Elliot in Under Pressure is the most blown away i've seen elliot sing ever he was just so good out of this world. what's the song that elliot sings when mar margo's tripping on don't lizard? get me wrong <laughs> that's that if that counts that's my favorite uh, oh, it have you heard me listening well, because, to that every day i've home? heard you listen to every song ever <laughs> I, in the world in the shower every single day from the magicians i know i love it my shower and then i'm stuck and i'm putting it on my spotify right after you um since you know all of the ones that i probably would have ended up saying have been taken taken rather i'll throw out uh i want to be sedated in uh season five we were loving the shit out of that in our recap episode so yeah, we were. i'll i'll throw that performance by elliot and alice some love actually and everyone else too right katie, katie was in on that, that. Katie, katie was in on that everything. yeah she could blow <laughs> she can blow my top three are the same as everywhere. Well, take on me as the most emotional and impactful under pressure is probably the best ensemble performance and the best song that they have. Cruel to be kind is the best dance slash the most stuck in my head all the time. Yeah. Always. The last two are the ones that nobody else has said, and they're kind of like my low key favorite. 
uh, shake it off cues, acoustic version mm. in the mental hospital. I just love the yeah. sentiment behind it. That's the only lifeline he had was that he knew that song would annoy Penny in the mm-hmm. real world enough to cause him to intervene. Such, I just love shake it off. Awesome. And they don't give him any help with the vocals. That it's episode just has a special Jason place in my heart, man. Yeah. Love that one. Does Julia's and Q's cringy. Hey, yo. I'm tired of you. Technology. Yeah, trying to get into yeah. Bacchus's uh, party. At Comic Con, that's the special clip they showed us. So that hey, lives in my heart. If it was good enough for Bacchus, it was good enough for me. Hell I loved yeah. it. Yeah. That was just them breaking out of their <laughs> And then finally, it's the unofficial first music episode. When one they do more. one day more, yeah, when he's about to fight the Lorian guy, Elliot versus King, the King Adrian, of Gloria. Cool. Yeah, King that's from Les Mis. They they killed it. They killed they that. Killed one it. More day on my yeah. Fence lays in that. Oh yeah. Yeah. E- Elliot always kills yeah. it. Elliot, then, Elliot killed it, and Fen also. Elliot fucks him. Yeah. Let's jump to our next topic here. We're gonna skip a couple things just for time's sake. So we're gonna actually jump right into. What I've been looking forward to. I want everybody's most controversial take here. This is going to be roundtable again. Pick your favorite one that you want to talk about. And if you have a couple of little quick hitters, you could say that when you're done. But let's just start with everyone's, you know, big controversial take. And I want to kick it off to Kathleen first. I don't have one. Okay. Well, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I told you I didn't have one. Okay. I'll say this. Um, My controversial take is that I'm loyal to a fucking fault. And I love everything, even if it's flawed. That is my t- I, like. I will <laughs> fight any of you for your controversial takes. My, is my controversial. I know. I'm just, now I'm nervous to say mine because Kathleen's gonna get up <laughs> no, and fucking okay. kill me. Kathleen's, it's okay. I understand it. Kathleen's controversial take is that the show is perfect. That is my controversial take. It's so funny. Luke called me out in 30 seconds on my favorite episode. <laughs> he was like, Kathleen, she falls in love with the character. She falls in love with the plot. She's loyal to a fall. And she, he was just trying to prove to Julie that it's like. This one holds up. This yeah. show holds up. It's not one of those Kathleen shows that it's. she's like, Supergirl's the best show of all time. So anyway, go on. Someone all right, me. The hand signs are cringe at first. Fuck you. I've said that on the podcast before, <laughs> yeah. too. That is I've gotten a hot the same. take. Dude, it took me uh, probably not till at least in my first watch of The Magicians all the way through. I couldn't get used to them until like season three. I just thought it was a different wow. take on how to do magic compared to just like wands where it just it just seems way quicker and more efficient to me and like like i said the hand signs were just like weird to me at first but finger totting dude that's your shit eventually learned to appreciate and love them but definitely that was my controversial take for a while was i thought they were cringe that's a good one because i fucking disagree yeah. <laughs> I couldn't disagree. I, we, we all this you all disagreed with me when i said it yeah. originally on yeah. the podcast exactly the reason you don't like it is the reason why it makes this show so cool not all magic is the same we're living in a in this universe mm-hmm. and in this universe that's what you have to do which is kind of annoying it's really fucking cool and the more you learn about all like the science and circumstance behind it and the exact thing i, I, I do love when they talk about like your your ring finger needs more mobility yeah. it's like something like, like that. your popper 23 is off i don't have anything crazy but apparently it's controversial that i am 100 confident that a master magician could take on post nip and alice once she forgets all her nip and shit and you're just trying to be argumentative for argumentative God damn sake. Right I, am. I don't have a hot take. I really so, don't. There, there are no hot takes. I don't know. J- Todd isn't like all that in a bag. Oh my God. <laughs> Look at his face. Nothing but a side character. Look at Kyle's face. <laughs> so better stop. That's just me trying that to be That is a controversial fucking take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just me trying to be con- uh, argumentative. No, I fucking love Todd. No, wait, so are you, are you saying that your controversial take is that Alice, you believe Alice is weaker than people? 
perceive her to be. Or is it more that master magicians are stronger than we are giving them credit Bingo, for? Bingo, the yeah. latter. Yes, I think master magicians, There, there is a gap between Alice and master magicians that I think some people at this table think is gray, and I think it's black and white. Okay. I will I like give you that. that there's a depth to the master magicians that we don't, we couldn't possibly even understand. Yeah, we would need more information. Yeah. But you're right. That's a good that's a good one. I'll go. I hate Josh and Margo. Wait. Together. Oh, together. oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Jesus. Margo was my number 3 favorite character. Ooh, explain, explain. I literally have I would love for you guys to explain this relationship to me because I would like to like it, but I hate Josh and Margo together. I just don't I love Josh. I love Margo. I don't think they should be together. She's too hot for him. You saying he can't get her? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, wait, really? I, I'm gonna no, no. Uh, I mean, Margo brings out a certain confidence in Josh, and that's a good mix for like that's good for Josh. But I agree with you. I'm also on your side too, in the fact that like I wasn't really hot on this either because it just kind of came out of left field. How did do we even remember how the flames of this started? Like how banging, did... dude? Werewolf banging. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a hot take if I say Margo doesn't deserve Josh? Fuck you. I think that's no, more that's, right than what they're no, saying. Yeah, that's yeah. more right. I mean, I think Margot is the best ever, but I think that she's a bitch to him, and I don't think mm. that she treats him right. I'm in with that. So I'm actually going to disagree with Dave and say that Josh makes Margot infinitely better as a human being, whereas the confidence that you're saying that Josh gains, I feel like Margot just keeps fucking with him. Yeah. If anything... I love them together. I think they even each other out. I think I just like love that. Love, love. I'm like, yeah, let's fucking go. You know, they have crazy fun sex. I love that line where she says something about like shit or something. And then she's like, that's the one thing we didn't do. We didn't just do. It's so funny. I don't know. Um, I mean, Margot accepts and gives up on trying to save Josh and accepts him dying. You're your one true love. You're going to do everything you can to save the other person. She tried multiple times and then it was like, okay, do we, you need to do something else. Right? Like that did annoy me. That I mean, I mean, she was completely fine. Well, she wasn't completely fine. That's way overstating. But like, she seemed decently okay to move on from Josh and accepting his death. And then I think, I mean, people mourned more for Q than she would have mourned for Josh. How much time actually passed? Not like much time at all. Like none. Yeah. So from- I don't agree with you. I don't think we even got to see how she was actually feeling because that entire episode she was fighting to get them back and whatever it was. And then for that one second when she decided that, okay, we we exhausted our efforts and then Elliot fixed it. It was like two seconds later. Well, I mean, she has the whole beginning of the season where she knows that 300 years ago they were killed. Yeah, and the whole time she's like, we need to get our fucking friends back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm on your side. I was just saying there's a little bit more time. Fuck, Jimmy. Sorry, bro. I think a lot of it also has to do with she's trying to hold on to like this vision of who she thinks she is of this like independent, like I, they talked about a little bit in the musical episode when she's talking about like her dad and how her past experiences have kind of just made her not forced her, but she's kind of molded herself into this self-sufficient independent woman. And now she has all of these romantic feelings about Josh of all people. And it's kind of like her almost trying to convince herself for the longest time that she's not in love with Josh. And then I think everything that happens afterwards when they get back together and they find out about Josh and Fen banging, which is probably, I'll talk about my least favorite storyline. And I think she finally starts to come around to the idea that, you know, she can be in a relationship with someone. She is, it's okay for her to open her heart up to somebody else. And she doesn't have to be this kind of closed off rock that kind of just takes everything as a joke and just drinks with Elliot and stuff. That's the way I took it. Damn, these controversial takes are getting me. These are good. I will say, Paul, I think that's a totally deserved opinion 
Like, I yeah. think so. I don't think that that didn't make me go. What the fuck? And flip the table like mine will. But anyway, <laughs> so, like, yeah, I, I totally get it. But I just love my I'm, I'm so biased. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, I love both characters. Yeah. I wish I could like them together. I just think they don't click. So we did uh, our listing and we all gave our top characters. And generally, I think we said Elliot, Margo, Josh, Hugh and Alice are the top five. Right. I think I'm the only one that had Alice. Alice okay. So if I'm just saying in general, I'm not listing these top four in any rank, but if we say Elio, Elio. Elio's pizza. <laughs> if we say Elliot, Margo, Josh, Q, and then I'm going to add Fen here. I'm going to say that after that, it's not even close to anybody close For to Katie, Penny, Katie, and Alice. Penny, Alice. And then I would put supporting characters above them. Yeah, okay. I think that Alice that's, is um, that's crazy. I think that's, the problem with nice. Alice that I have is my main hot take before that hot take came up during the pod because we were ranking. But I think my main hot take with Alice is I just never I never really saw her liked boobs. her um, until <laughs> until she finally got the redemption arc in season five. Yes, um, bro. You Paul just stole my my least favorite world concept. Ah, <laughs> That Alice, that, yeah, that Alice isn't a nudist. I think that Alice was very <laughs> selfish throughout the entire series, almost until season five after Q dies. And I think that bringing them back together before Q dies was rushed and only, uh, only put there because that Q was going to die. I'm going to agree with some of your points, but I was at this was actually the first controversial take that came to my mind was I did not like Alice as much as like probably most people did. She was a sheltered, <laughs> fucking crazy batshit woman, especially after being a Niffin. Oh, She's, yeah, yeah. That was the worst. I did not like any of that. And then I didn't really come around to her season five, like you said. You I'm know? definitely going to say that she was 100% necessary to the show. And yeah. I believe and I agree with everything you said about her being everyone would be fucking dead without her. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Like, I do agree with that. And I also agree that she is probably the most raw power of the entire show. But I just didn't enjoy her as a character. Yeah. You got to admit, if you didn't enjoy her, how badass was it in you know the finale where she goes, you know, one hand? Is well, one no, that's what I'm enough. saying. Until season five. Like in season five is when they redeemed her. And I said, okay. finally, after Q's death, she's thinking of someone besides herself. Man, I love Alice. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's anything I could say to defend her because your points are taken. And I totally even when I said she was in my top three, I still said she sucked in season three and four. Yeah. But she came back so strong for me. I guess I like her so much because of how she is with Quentin. And I just love Quentin yeah. I mean, so much. Season two, she was rough, too. When she dies and she's in Q's basically yeah. head and she's yeah. like pussy pussy yeah, I mean, pussy I, yeah. like that shit that was I, I think her, her cons entertainment wise are higher that's my hot take than her pros I love Niff and Alice when she's in his head I thought that was so cool they dress her different she looks hotter well I mean I'm not saying she's not hot no no but I just mean like I love that they kind of flipped her on her head like I really like she was different in every season here's though. my hot like take Kathleen. Q definitely I flipped her on her wig Alice more than non-wig you Alice. better stop <laughs> What is with the wig? All right, Kyle, you got one? That's so funny that you just said that because my most controversial take was going to be that I didn't care about the wig or notice it at all. <laughs> Mostly because I have nothing controversial to say, I feel like. Although I do agree, you know, your whole kind of monologue right there about Alice, I honestly do agree with that. I just like feel like I don't really have much controversial to say. A lot of it has to do, Kathleen, I'm kind of in that same boat as you. When I start, to, when I like something, it's just kind of, I just kind of immerse myself into the world and kind of accept 
any type of flaws or just like the way that things work, you know, almost they're not something wrong. That's just kind of the, it, it is the way it is. I think for the most part, we probably all had to dig deep for the, the hot takes. Not Luke. I feel like you no, 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 no. Mine's out. mine's I did dig deep for it. Like it yeah. took me a while to think it's just now that I wrote it down, I'm going to piss off Kyle with one of them and Kathleen with the <laughs> other, but I'm just going to say him. Start so. with me. So, so, say something about yeah. Todd. No, I just think that I hate the character Marina 40. Like I would not have, known that people liked her if i didn't have conversations about the show with people other than you know myself just watching it i think marina 23 was way better and i think marina's 40s only purpose was to serve as a character development piece for julia and i just didn't enjoy her and i never really voiced that can you explain just because i'm genuinely curious what you didn't like about 40 and you liked about 23 Nice. Well, I just felt like 23, when she came back, it was so established what hedge witches were. And like, she just helped with the plot in a side way rather than just being like the best thing that Marina 40 did, in my opinion, was helping Julia put Quentin into that Taylor Swift episode. Yeah. I was just going to say her biggest thing probably was coming back from the dead for a second. That I was mean, a cool I mean, scene. She but like, cleaned up Julia after Reynard fucked them all up. Yeah. She was just such a mean character. I didn't enjoy her when she took up screen time. She was just there to be the hedge witch, the face of the hedge witches. And I thought Julia was just like, I don't know. She, again, like she was just an advancement for Julia. I just yeah. feel as if they're the same Marina in my eyes. They're yeah, just, I don't know. The, when up. she comes back, I think she came back as a fan favorite. Like she got yeah. the fun fog lines. Oh, I'm I'm in the timeline where you and me child support. child support. They kind of played more into her being like a more quirky character and she was like i don't know i agree with that i mean i didn't yeah, even love think, marina 23 by the way but like you know she's fine i she's think better. like marina 40 was supposed to be more of a an actual villain to them and marina 23 was more like you said quirky like yeah. foil to them that was just whatever again bias i just have a crush on her so what do you, what do you, exactly what jimmy said 40 is a villain 23 technically hasn't done anything to us yet so we can yeah. just like use her as like I don't know. The advanced plot. I don't know. So I guess I mean, bottom line first... is I just like Marina a lot less than everybody else, apparently. Sure. But... Honestly, Luke, you're saying this and I, I agree with you. I didn't know that was something I was going to talk about, but I didn't know how strongly I felt about it. But yeah, I think that Marina's she's almost kind of annoying and she's not that hot. Uh, I got well, one. I, I don't, <laughs> well, I'm saying overall character Marina. Like the writing's different for like how she was my number one supporting. She was my number two. Three, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I that that I guess my controversy no, comes more directly related to you guys. But anyway, yeah. so my next one, which is a little bit less dialogue, is I think I actively hated Zelda before the end of season four. Not like the character and how she portrayed, because I think the actress was always amazing, and I I felt like I was supposed to hate her because she was so actively against yeah. what the main squad was doing and like how she just fucking sandbagged the shit out of her daughter Harriet. Yeah. I hated her. Like, you know, just actually just did not like Zelda at all as a character. And I don't know. She gets oh. way better when she joins the squad and she she flips after betraying Everett. Totally. Until that point, I was like, fuck this character. Fuck Zelda. Fuck Penny 40. Like, I was just in that whole mindset where I hated everything to do with the library and those people. I honestly don't really think that's that hot. I, I yeah. take I think that we start to like her when Katie starts to like her again. And okay. that's that I agree. Like that's when you're supposed to start to like her. So I think you're hundred percent right on that. Yeah. I said it earlier. She had by far the biggest turnaround of a character for me from hating to like actually very much enjoying a character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was Zelda. 
I just think that this show has such good villains, even if they're side villains. And Zelda was kind of just like an obstacle to us all the time. She was always just yeah, getting in the way, the taking bomb. the emotion bottles the away. She's ri- like Elliot burns yeah. the book and then it kicks him out for a book to come in, dude. Right. On, so man. but and even when she was helping, like when Penny Forty was good and with the squad, she wasn't helping him, you know? Right. And now yeah. I'm watching Parks and Rec and I hate the library now. So <laughs> um, fuck the library. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I just <laughs> love the villains. I love the villains. OK. So it sounds like we're pretty good. My last thing I just want to say is my last controversial take shot at Kathleen is the books suck. But wait, the books suck. Oh, I was like, what? The, the <laughs> books that the magician show. They meant the books in the show. I was like, are not I like the idea of the books. <laughs> I'm going to say books that fuck. a long time ago, probably around season three. It's hard to put this into words, but like when season three was happening, it was so good that I just wanted it to last forever. So I was like, you know, it can last forever. Books usually mm-hmm. like you feel like you're getting into them, taking longer to read them and just getting take as long as you need. And I started to read the books and I stopped very quickly. Yep. I will say that there's some cringy stuff, but it was just continuing the lore in the world for me. So I yep. liked it. Again, loyal to a fucking fault. Yep. And honestly, I'm not that good at like reading books and my like literacy. So <laughs> I don't regret reading them, by the way. I just think that they weren't some that valley good. education. The show, the show adaptation is way better. All right. So let's keep moving on because we got two and a half more topics here and we can get out of here. So this next one is going to be a round table about least favorites. And I think we all kind of talked about this off pod, how it was difficult to yeah. answer most of these. You're kind of pulling at strings here. Any, okay, any okay, character of the show that you feel you just absolutely did not like. Okay. I'm going to say mine. Our lady underground. She can suck. A I wrote dick. that down. Talk man. about sandbagging piece of yeah. shit. She yes. is the worst at all times. She just let Reynard run the fuck around. Do the worst of the worst to our girl yes. and the rest of her squad. She was Fuck in my her. I fucking I, had her. When she died, I was like, bye-bye, bitch. Yes. I didn't think of that, but that is genius. Fuck. Yeah, her. I didn't think of that one either. I just had simple Christopher Plover ever nice. at, like, just real dicks of the show. that but I just, He got his comeuppance, though. Who? Christopher Plover. Well, Plover. yeah, I mean, he, I mean he's <laughs> forced to <laughs> run the Plover. world without being able to make any sense at all. But yeah, it was just like Everett, Plover. Everett obviously killed Quentin, so I hate that man with a burning passion. Yeah. Christopher Plover's a pedophile, so fuck him. (laughs) Talk about coming out of nowhere. I think Everett was a come out of nowhere type. I had Our Lady, but I did try to go someone a little bit different just in case. And I actually said Emily, Mykofsky's Emily. Oh, good one. That is a good one. Nice. You didn't like her? No. 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 Paul only liked her because she has sex in the show. No, I thought Mayakovsky's daughter is who I thought you were talking about. Oh, no, no. The one that. Yeah, he, yeah. No, I yeah. liked Mayakovsky's yeah, daughter. Yeah, exactly. That's why got. I was yeah. so appalled. Because yeah, she was funny. <laughs> and attractive. Right, so... The character that I'll throw out there, because I'll think that, you know, it probably won't get covered. I'm going to say Bick Pickwick. Yeah, Bick Pickwick is a fucking backstabbing bastard. Yeah. And he got his comeuppance when Fillory finally extended fair and free elections to the talking animals. Wait, you mean Tick? Tick. No, I'm talking about Bick, right? Bick is from season five. Tick Pickwick is from the rest of it. Bick is 300 years after Tick. Right? Yeah. Oh, Bick is the one, is yeah, the so ancestor. You hate you hate oh, I hate Tick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, fuck Bick, too. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 Fuck Benedict is a Pickwick, isn't he? Benedict. Yeah, he is. So he's the only good one, but I agree with Tick. Hi. That brings us to me for least favorite characters. I have Irene McAllister. I just Ooh. dislike the whole McAllister's. Oh, I did not like the story arc of them having to crush up fairy bones. And like mm-hmm. that genocide made me absolutely hate the McAllisters. And Irene's kind of the ringleader of that. They're just chopping off fairy limbs. She was my second favorite. Like, I just hated her. 
McAllister's second the one percent. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, yeah. Second favorite of oh, my least favorite. <laughs> Conversely, I don't really think I fucked with the fairy queen. So like, Ooh, I hate the people that committed. Take. Really? She, I loved no. her. I came to respect her in my second watch through because she was stoic and she was like a good leader for the people, but she was a stone cold bitch for mm. sure. And she gave them way too much trouble. Oh, Dave yeah. just said she took Margot's eye. He, <laughs> we're sharing a mic. And I would say that helped Margot's character development a lot. And then she got a fairy eye, which is like a mad eye moody eye. So that's an upgrade. Also, Luke, I think you're going to say the one that I don't want to say, but the one that I don't think will get touched on. I, I forget her name, but the person that Alice hung out with that can like locate things. Fucking hated that. She's so boring. So boring. Wait, and then she the one the one went, with the water plot line. Yes. yes to she clean becomes the a water. librarian to clean the yes. water. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't like her. Didn't, didn't like that storyline. Didn't like that either. either That's so. my least favorite storyline. Damn. Yeah. OK, cool. Yeah. So my least favorite is Poppy. I didn't like Poppy. Mm, I liked that somebody was addicted to dragons and dragons lore. I thought that was cool. I thought Poppy's character herself fucking sucked. And it was probably because she gave Q the suicide key and that started it. But I just never liked her, you know, when she came back and was pregnant with the dragon. I didn't like Falcor. Yes, that's what I was just going to ask. What was the name that Q kept saying? (laughs) Falcor. (laughs) That's such a goofy episode. When Penny touches the egg and then like, the realization that he's also now under the trance, and then he's like, they look at Julie, like, yo, Julie, you want to touch this egg? <laughs> or you want to lick this on. egg? Doesn't he have us? Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to lick this egg. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. That's one of my actually, like, the hardest I laughed in the entire show. It's actually funny because Poppy's character is the one of the only characters from the show that I like better in the books. I think she did better in there. But anyways, my decision here is I had Our Lady Underground as a side answer to this. No, no, I love I, I love that you hate her, too, because yeah. she sucked. But obviously, my least favorite character is Penny Forty. I think he is such a pussy. I, I Jesus. I'm just well, I mean, we didn't we, we kind of cut the section where I was going to talk about Penny 23 versus Penny 40. But I'll quickly just summarize the fact that when I'm watching a TV show, when I'm reading a book, when I'm watching a movie, what I care about is the main characters, right? Like the people driving the plot, the people like Quentin Coldwater. I fucking love Julia, Katie. You know, all these people that are just front and center for an entire five seasons are my favorite characters. And Penny Forty just completely did not help them at all once he got pulled down to the underworld. And I just think that Penny 23 was a superior version of him. He was nicer to the main cast and he was just more likable in general. I'm not going to keep going on it, but a lot of the reasons I hate Penny 40 is because I know that they didn't end up finishing the storyline. I'm sure the bigger picture things that he was going to go ahead and do were going to be important. but we didn't get to see that, so I just fucking hate him. Do you have any more for your least favorite character? There's one that I thought you were going to say that you didn't. Iris, don't you hate her? Oh, the I, goddess? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, did hate Iris. Eh, whatever, yeah, but that's funny that you thought that. I, I didn't even think of her when I was coming up with the list, but yeah. I, I just... had a random one that if you guys exhausted all mine, I was going to say Victoria. I thought she was pretty selfish all mm-hmm. the time and just like a waste. She, I mean, she died she for our homies. Them. Yeah. She died for our homies, so... But I just think Penny Forty died, man. Like, give him a break. He doesn't have to like save the world. Quentin didn't fucking come back and help him either <laughs> in season five. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just, just I honestly nothing just you can say that to that's Luke's, gonna make me like Penny yeah, Forty. To Luke's point, my rewatches made me hate Penny Forty way more. I thought he was <sighs> he was such a dick, such an asshole, and there was no reprieve for him. I don't give him a pass because he goes to the underworld and tells Q. Now that I'm in the underworld, I am shed of all my insecurities. You need to shed those insecurities in real life. And say sorry to Q in real life because him going to the underworld 
it was just by default that that happened mm-hmm. to him. He just is like, oh, I'm dead now. It's it's whatever. I'm like, not going to talk about it. I just it, think 23 right. is definitely uh, superior in all ways What's to 40. What's qu- the qu- quote? Also, like, you couldn't possibly want to be a dick more than you want to live or survive yeah. or something. And Penny and Katie are way better than Penny and Julia. And he yeah. just sandbagged Katie pretty much. That didn't even get like a satisfying yeah, ending. Yeah, really, my heart. So if we're good with characters, now we're going to move on to storylines. Everybody's least favorite storyline of the series. And I'll just start just because I've been ranting for the past couple minutes. My least favorite storyline was a tie between Julia's pregnancy. I just didn't like it. Didn't do it for me. The ending was okay with the traveler baby affecting, but it just completely didn't like it. And we all kind of agreed as we went throughout the season recap in the show. But yeah. And then the other thing was... I don't think I was ever madder at a single point than when season two, episode one happens and Julia decides to screw the whole squad over when they were going to kill Martin and she teleports away with him. That pissed me off beyond belief. Yeah, I just my anger watching that. You could have waited a fucking second and you just didn't, you dumb bitch. I think Alice fucking up season three finale is worse than Julia. Now that you say that, that also hits it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My least favorite storyline is Penny 23 and Julia. Yeah, yeah. my first point was yeah. Julia's pregnancy. Uh, I didn't like, like any of that. That was just another thing that came out of left field for mm-hmm. me during whatever. When did that found? That was the early season. No, it five, was timeline right? 23 in season three when he comes in. It's the end of season three, and then they. Yeah, but it just it just felt like that was just kind of out of yeah, yeah, it was out of left field, didn't really need to happen. But better chemistry with Jay Taylor, just for sure. I can't appreciate how they tried to tie it all into the relevancy of the story, but just at the end of the day, it was just unnecessary to me. So that's Mm -hmm. mine. I'll just jump in right now and just say Jenny twenty three as well. I think that (laughs) that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think that it would have been interesting to see the kid grow up later. And maybe that would have added more to the relationship and to the storyline. What's the kid's name again? Quentin. Hope. Hope Quentin. Hope Quentin. Hope Hope Quentin. HQ. Yeah. It, it, we decided it was Wicker. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, it was, is <laughs> it Wicker or Adiodi? No, it's, it's a hyphen. It's Wicker. Because Penny's taking Wicker as his last Definitely name. Definitely Wicker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had Jenny as mine just because fuck that. And that'll actually go into my next section as well when we get there. But my other one. And this is purely selfish reasons. It was the monster nameless in Elliot. And that's just because Elliot wasn't able to be himself for the whole season. Yeah. And I just wanted Elliot. I had the balls slash the couple. I just Mm -hmm. thought that they weren't really built up enough to what they were trying to build them up to be. So I thought that just kind of fell flat for me. The Margot and Josh werewolf stuff. I kind of got bored of that really quickly. And Mm -hmm. The other one, not really a storyline, but something that I really hated. It was, it was totally on brand for the character. But when they were sneaking through the Netherlands oh, and yeah, they were trying, to they were all cloaked and he just fumbled the bag for mm. everyone and ruined it. Like, I hated that. I but try and it block was, that from my memory. It was, think yeah. about. it was yeah, because it I was really supposed is. to hate it. They wrote it that way. It wasn't like a flaw in the writing, but uh, that that was the worst. For me, I had a really tough time with this. I like it all, but I think a lot of Alice's storyline in season four felt kind of okay to me. Like Julia and Alice just throwing the magic back and forth to each other. I feel like they're just killing time here, but mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked the contraption they did. I liked that Fog was like, don't fucking do that. And Penny's in the fish being like, stop. <laughs> like, it's funny. I like it. But um, I just think Julia not wanting that magic, even though it was from Reynard and going through that, I, I see the lesson in it, but. I didn't like that. Fell flat for me a little bit, but I still loved it to death. (laughs) So mine is going to be Josh and Fen banging. I don't really think that the kick in the ass that Margaret needed needed to be that. 
I mean, it was interesting plot twist when Fen's like, oh, I also have something to do that night. But it just seems so pointless, especially as the season goes on, because it never gets addressed again. It doesn't matter that Fen's a werewolf ever. It never gets brought up again. It just kind of is a conflict for that episode. And that's it. And all of the conflict, or at least the the growth that Margot has because of it could have happened with something else. And then the conflict in the episode with Margot fighting Fen could have still happened anyway without it. So it just seemed like a weird thing that they threw in there. So now we're going to end the least favorites with, I want to know everybody's least favorite magician's world concept. And this can be anything super, super simple, super large, just whatever you're feeling that you just didn't like about the world building or the world itself. I just didn't, like at all the taker realm just being shoehorned in there like Mm. that just felt super forced i guess just for the whole rupert plot line it just wasn't anywhere else and we never heard of it just felt like last minute kind of thing i did not like the taker realm at all that's good that's a good one actually yeah i took this completely in the wrong way i couldn't think of anything so i just put i fucking hate that chatwin's torrent guy That's not even a concept, but I was like, it's not a concept. The guy at the torrent who like fucks up Uh, Penny's hands. I hate that guy. Fuck that guy. That didn't, uh, that didn't cross your mind for least favorite character. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, true. Uh, I'll say mine. So in real, like my actual one is legit that Todd wasn't a bigger part of the squad, but, um, one that I'll have that's like, I guess, kind of less kind of taking the piss is that uh the fact that people in Fillory just actually fucked animals. I just think that <laughs> it's like, okay, like, you know, Fillory's like that, I guess. And it's a different world with a different culture. But like that was always just kind of an odd thing that, yeah, it was just kind of odd that they were just open <laughs> with the fact that you know, the animals and the humans were actively having sex together. Well, it was taboo until Margot talked yeah. to Humbledrum. So <laughs> I couldn't really think of anything. I mean, and if anything, it goes into my controversial take of the hand signs. Casting. Oh, okay. okay. Casting is oh. a good one. Yeah. So for mine, I really hope you guys didn't say this. I hated Red Monkey Month. I thought oh. that I, that was literally just completely thrown in there because they're like, all right, we need Julia to be pregnant now. Yeah. How do we good. get that to happen? Oh, everything speeds up, bro. We're in season five. We should have heard of this already. Now. I don't know, man. Fillory is so wacky. We couldn't possibly hear about everything, right? No, I'm fine with your hatred towards that because it's that stemmed a lot of our hatred of the storylines and the character with Julia being pregnant. I'm yeah. sure that wouldn't have been a thing at all. That's what I was saying. For this. Totally so, not. Like that's the so fucking Stella getting knocked up. Cute baby, we love yeah. you. My least favorite storyline and my least favorite world concept were like one and one. Yeah. Jenny yeah. and Red Monkey Month. I couldn't really think of much like the others. I actually also had Red Monkey Month for the same reasons. Oh. And then I remembered while we were talking about the pensive things that they were using to watch Seb and Fillory. Oh, yeah. Fox the News. Pots. Yeah, yeah, it was Fox, Fox News. And then they used it for that one episode and never yeah. went back to it again. And that's if that was one. an actual thing, it would have been very useful for like catching Seb. It, it was very weird. They just brought it in to be convenient for that specific scene. Yeah, it was dumb. Honestly, fuck Netflix. This is peak television. <laughs> yeah, I don't I didn't have anything, and I think you guys convinced me on all yours. So cool. Chatwin's torrent guy. Yeah, that's the one that got me. <laughs> We're on to our second to last topic here before we end with Bank Kill Mary. We're just gonna talk about the the unfinished storylines, and a lot of these are attributable to the fact that, you know, when they were written into the story, we thought we were going to have a lot more seasons. So some of them you can't fault the writers, some of them you can. And I'm just going to talk through 
some of these topics that that didn't get finished from the ones that I don't care about at all to the ones that I actually care about a lot. And you guys stop me. We'll talk about anything you think's worth mentioning. So the first one, I just was a little bit weirded out with the Hamish thing. Yeah. Like what? What was his real purpose? World what? Seed. Well, I feel like the only intro the for him seed. was because of the World Seed because his girlfriend. He was a botanist. He had. The conditional the greenhouse, meter. the little con- the that was his that was circumstance, circumstance. meter, yeah, whatever that was actually in the green. I feel like Hamish was the introduction to that, and that was okay. Yeah, that one didn't bother me that much, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. Maybe it bothered you because it felt like there was going to be something more to him. Like the way him and Alice were interacting, it almost felt like that there was definitely some like at least for me, it felt like there was like a romance kind of thing going on there, but mm-hmm. I was just about to fucking freak out. They were talking about romance between fucking Hamish yeah, Bax and I mean, Alice Quinn. You were pissed at the time, too, when I said this during the episode review. No, we were all happy that they didn't kiss or anything like that. Kathleen is currently leaving right now. She has to go watch her show, Wyona Earp. It is now series, cro- finale. series finale. It is crossed the bridge of her favorite show now. Three Did, times. Did she yeah. say that? Didn't she make that video of one of them i think oh she no there, yeah. oh no i literally think i want to burp every time i hear that show i just <laughs> want to burp yeah i just burped. i, I want to burp this is a little bit more for brian and kyle because you guys were rooks and you guys have a little bit more hotter takes probably on this but were you satisfied with the visigoths and them being introduced in the way they were and then them not really having more of an impact was that okay with you what'd you think yeah that's kind of like a lot i i have to take all of these sort of questions relating to season five with a grain of salt because they could have planned so much more for mm-hmm. the busy gods. I, I had written in my notes, I didn't get to say when you were asking, should this season have ended after season four? Like, no, it should have ended after season eight. If they had three more seasons to flesh out the busy gods, who knows what they could have been. But for the purposes of when they introduced them and how much time they had to use them, yeah, they served their purpose and they were in and out. So I, I had no quarrels with their use in season five. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't have even thought about it again if you didn't just mention it. So mm-hmm. I just liked the main Visigoth a lot. I thought he was impactful in the scenes that he had, and I wanted more of him. And it just felt like it didn't didn't have a satisfying inclusion for their faction. Did you just like their whole premise that they were just knowledge seekers? Yeah, I felt like they could have came into play as like an yeah. antithesis to the library. Like they're pretty much the opposite, and they could have been their own. You know, if it went eight seasons, they could have had a mini arc within a series. You know. The real world intertwine of how like they stole from the library of Alexandria and that mm-hmm. stuff. I always love how they do that. Yeah, they, bring, I like that. they link and it into real world. Another point to B Tom's is that you know they were able to put a master magicians on the on the ropes, being Zelda. Like Zelda couldn't stop them all. Yeah. So that yeah. alone speaks to their power. And I just think they were a cool faction that didn't get fleshed out enough. Okay, so were you guys satisfied with the open ended? slash not really getting endings for i had marina and todd specifically but a lot of the side characters where like we marina okay, felt so, like so she marina didn't get an ending with her heist, girlfriend right? right like she had that thing with her girlfriend which didn't feel she inclusive. had to throw down with the girlfriend that we didn't even need because mm-hmm. then nothing and then they had the heist and we never saw her again right or, right to be honest i didn't really worry too much about that like you were saying i think i put more weight on marina than I needed to. I, I think that she's enough of a side character where I didn't really worry about her not getting anything after that because she just wasn't part of the main squad. If we had a season six and then they never talked about her again, then I would have been upset just because I want to know what happened to her because she definitely would be, be trying to figure out a way to get to this new world. Again, because season five ended, I don't care. But in season six, she I would assume that she would be talking to Elliot, you know, the people that are actually in the real world right now on Earth, like Julia, Penny, and Elliot. 
to see what's good. Todd, you know, Todd's the freaking man, but I, I don't care. He didn't need a plot yeah. point. Kyle, what do you think? I have the exact opposite take of that. I think Todd was <laughs> completely underutilized. I, I just feel like he could have added a, a fun dimension. And also, I'm like dead serious. I really would have liked him and Fen to have like fostered a romance. I just think the kind of just kind of innocent naivete of the two of them would have been like a really nice entertainment and almost plot point. I think that and also I mean, speaking specifically about when we first meet Psycho Fog, Todd is with them, Julia and Penny in the hallway. And then just like doesn't go to the greenhouse with them after he helps them figure out what's going on. And then he just like kind of isn't really in the show after that. And it was just like, scene, right? Yeah, it was just very abrupt of like, okay, where's the goat? The goat. I think when it comes to Luke's question, though, it's like, yeah, I wanted to see more Todd, but storyline wise, does it really matter that he didn't get anything? Again, it's going to get more progressive towards being more serious. But this one, I'm going to kick it over to Paul because I know me and him love to talk about this open ended thread. And it's actually very annoying, but the witch that took Quentin's blood in the season opener of two. Infuriating. Just because at the end of season two, Umber, or I think it's Ember, Ember is narrating and he's doing a voiceover. And then he goes, Oh, and like the blood that Quentin gave up, that'll come into play later. And it literally never does. It's yeah. never even hinted at. It's never brought up again. And it's like, why would you make that a point? Was that a season eight payoff? Yeah. I think it was even in the opener of season three, unless you're very confident about that at the end of season two. It might have been three. Which makes it even worse because yeah. they bring it up in a separate season. And it's all, it's basically just Umber talking directly to the audience in a creative way and him saying, you know, this, all this shit is happening, but like that's important. And, and it never fucking mattered. The, the reason of why he needed to do it, he needed to save all of his friends. So he ran to give this blood to this random person to come help save his friends. And by the time he brought him back, they were all good. Mm -hmm. So it was like, what the fuck? They literally didn't have a point. It yeah. did not have a point. And they had time to flesh it out is my biggest problem. They could have at least made Alice in season five when she reanimates young Q, like use the blood in some yeah. way, maybe. And that would have been enough for me to be okay with it. But I hated that plot point. I thought it was stupid. Even maybe using his blood as like the gateway for what Seb's plan was, was to like something. Get, yeah. yeah. Well, we assume that witch got raptured and is in the new fillery. So maybe... That was going to be like a late, late, late payoff. They use his blood to recreate Q and just that blow. would have been cool if they used the blood in the new fillery like spell too. That would have been yeah. sick. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I mean, I think the whole entire Bingetown group has always talked about that. I just wanted to say that I probably wouldn't, if I was watching this show on my own, I probably wouldn't have ever noticed that. And you have kind of brought that to my attention over and over again. So, the yeah. only reason. So, honestly, fuck you a little bit because you're kind of you're adding to the stress and negativity in my life. All right, we beat that one to death. Now, the next one, and this one bothers me a lot too, is the open endedness and the non plan that they had for Cassandra who was Alice Quinn, the writer of the books, kind of. I don't know where the fuck they were going with that, but they do mention Cassandra for a brief second in season five, I think, talking about her being in the underworld where... Martin Chatwin just says, oh, I was in the underworld and I had a nice conversation with a woman who knows everything or something. Martin Chatwin is a yeah. segue reference. And I would have been fine with all of that if it just wasn't Alice's actor, right? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, what, yeah. what is this? Definitely weird. Yeah. I thought that I was being dumb. Like, I thought I was missing something very obvious. What, like, the mm -hmm. fact that nothing came of it. 
it reminded me of Ted Mosby when he's playing poker with the Russian people and he's like, you know, Patches and Scarface and Frank. You get one thing. You can either know the future and be able to write it down or you can look like Alice Quinn. You can't have both. There's too much shit going on with this one character and they did nothing with it. Yeah, it's just like a feral caveman barbaric version of her. And it's just like, why? I have nothing to say about it because there is, it's just like, why did they do that? And that's yeah. one of the weirdest formats of an episode as well. You know, they're telling the story, they jump back into the underworld, Penny's explaining, and they jump mm-hmm. back. And it's a really good episode. I love the episode. Yeah. yeah. It's just so weird. Like, <laughs> were we under the impression that Alice's endgame was eventually going to be like being a slave to the library? And that's what her. Like, why is her name change? It should have all been related. Cassandra should have been a part of Alice I, in some way. Or the opposite, I where it was it, just not Alice yeah. and it wouldn't have been in a question. It's yeah. fine. I took it, giving myself some kind of answer, was that it was like a different timeline, Alice, or something, just because... It had, it had to be. It had to be. Yeah, that's, I, just that's the, the only point. That's the point why it sucks. The thing with the blood, that could have been a payoff later. This, literally no clue. This this was just a complete... And it's not a payoff that you want for Alice, either. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they would have paid it off, you would have been like, oh, shit, that's an awful ending for her. Yeah, you're rooting against that. All right. So I got two more here and then we can move on to our final segment and get out of here. So this is the one that I think, Dave, you said was your least favorite storyline was just the open endedness of Irene McAllister and what they were going to do with her. She wasn't even mentioned, I don't think, in season five. I don't know what where she was going to go, if they were going to bring the fairies back to the forefront. But I don't know. What do we think about her? She was the Dean. She was like supposed to be a main integral character. She she took up the mantle of Dean and bought break bills when it was dying. And then she just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. It was just it was very strange. And she seemed like an awful human being. She wanted to capture fairies, cut off their limbs and grind up their bones. It's like, all right, so you automatically just suck. And I hate you. <laughs> yeah. If anyone deserved to come up into was her. And she didn't even get it. Yeah, exactly. She didn't even fucking get it. She could have just died in the family slaughter and it would have been fine. Right? Yeah. Just oh, gonna, so happy. Yeah. I was just going to say that, but they obviously had to have had bigger plans for her. Yeah. Like They wouldn't have just let her of all the McAllisters just live at the end there. All right. So this is the biggest one. And I think we've kind of been touching on it a little bit throughout this podcast, but just the open endedness of the underworld and Hades and Penny 40 and what they were going to do with that. And I'm sure that if they had eight seasons, nine seasons, there was going to be something and that was going to potentially be the end game. It even would have saved Penny 40 for me. But to me, just because the show ended without any sort of satisfaction from any of that, that's just like the biggest black hole for the magicians for me personally. I think it was so bad because it's the potential that we all got the most excited about. Mm -hmm. We all loved Hades when they introduced him and they only gave us such little amount of him. And it was the redemption for Penny, who I, I kind of came around to your way of thinking where Penny's a dick to Q. Like, yeah. what, what is this guy bringing to the table other than his traveling? And that's why this is the biggest black hole of a question mark. It's because we were so excited about where it could have went. And and you're totally right. They were going to cash in on this eventually. And mm-hmm. then it got cut short. So it's a shame. But what else can you say about it? I'm very happy I can finally talk about this because I remember at the beginning when we were doing this, I was mentioning subtly like i'm not that crazy of like a big fan of the ending but i didn't like hate it and i remember kathleen looking at me like what the fuck are you talking about the ending was great the ending was only okay just because i kept stretching on it like i've said before 
just the potential that could have been for the upcoming seasons with time travel, with Hall of Hades, the underworld, potentially seeing Q in the underworld again. Yeah, there's just so much yeah, that we know the, he passed on. Though they said that, or yeah, he, may, he would he have did get on. into the car. But it's just things like that is just why I didn't find the season finale to be great because it just was rushed as we kept stressing and even if one more season came out i think that would have been enough to make this a perfect ending but this wasn't so much but i was fine with the ending like i said i'm not i'm not pissed the ending by any means for Mm -hmm. what they had to work with they made it work i think so that about finishes the open-endedness and the fact that that's all we could talk about and only really personally for me the the underworld and then a little bit of the cassandra stuff actually pissed me off I say that's a great series ending for a show that didn't know if they were going to get another season or not. We all locked it in top five. Top five, baby. So, Paul, you have another topic before we get to Banco Mary real quick? Yeah, so this is just what could have been. And it is, what do you think the plot for season six, episode one would be? And just to kick it off, I think the biggest thing that I want is how is Elliot and Katie going to get together with everybody in the new fillery josh margo fen etc i was thinking more broad i was thinking who do you put in charge like how do you determine who's going to be put in charge of all of the new fillery if you even decide that like do you margo the creator baby yeah do you like you have a battle royale like does she have to fight for that title they're gonna have democracy bro they're gonna vote but yeah yeah, like what, what do you think they they talked about you know creating the infrastructure for the new world like what do you think the plot of the next episode would be i feel like the season opener would probably not give us what's happening on new fillery until like the last five minutes like it would more focus on everybody on earth trying to find new fillery you know what i mean so it would be a lot of what's elliot up to with charlton and his teaching gig at break bills and just Introducing us to whatever would happen in a potential season six. And, and Julia and Penny, Penny did set off specifically to find them. Yes, so. yes. And their search and what Steam Fogg up to with his cat in the mm-hmm. wheelchair. Like there would be a lot of stuff. I don't think they would give us new filler until the end. Directly contradicts what you say. So, but would you guys think there would be a time jump or do you think they'll go right into it? If they started season six with a time jump, I think I would have been fine with that. I think like everything's good in the hood at new fillery yeah. for a while. Okay. And then boom, here's a plot issue. You like know? everybody on the scroll that got raptured it shows the introduction of them into the new world like i'm also thinking of like maybe the potential consequences of cosmetology behind it all maybe because i'm sure creating a new world takes a fuckload of magic or energy or something so maybe that could have repercussions across the galaxy universes etc so imagine if they lost magic again then you use time travel man i don't know so i just think if the show got another season and they were told you get one more season to actually wrap this up again they would have leaned right into the underworld stuff and right into the setting up of the new whatever the White Spire would be on New Fillory. And I just think that would be the premise of the season because they would have not left Penny 40 in the underworld open-ended. And I think in season six, you know, Todd and Fen would bang uncontrollable amounts. <laughs> just a straight soft porno. Yeah, just for Kyle too. Is the Fuck that soft shit, bro. Give me that hardcore porno. <laughs> Is the Glory Hole Forest only for Elliot? And Charlton. No, oh, no, no. So anybody no, no. can use it. Oh, oh of course. Yeah, I mean, the I centaurs are going in there every <laughs> other fucking day. Okay. Okay. Speaking of, there's another plot issue. Charlton and Eli go through a <laughs> divorce or something. You know, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's some yeah. divorce. <laughs> yeah. They're married and they go through a divorce. All right, guys. Let's end this podcast strong. The series wrap of the magicians is gonna end, of course, with the Bingetown classic, Bang Kill Mary. 
So just like we did for our series wrap for the hundred, if you haven't heard that one, we're going to do a special version of Bang Kill Mary. So what this is going to be is we're going to have the entire ensemble of the main nine characters, including Quentin Coldwater. The scenario is that everybody is alive and you have to actually do the deed of bang killing and marrying one of the nine characters and live with the repercussions. Yeah, I'm going to start off strong by banging Margo because, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, how are you not going to do that? But you're upsetting Josh, dude. Yeah. He's our boy. I have said I don't like Margo and Josh yeah, together. But you like Josh. Well, I don't like them together. So it's gonna, a real. He's not going to make you any more food, dude. I would rather bang Margo than like Josh. I'll say so, that. So you're saying Josh being mad at you, you're okay with that? He is handsome and wealthy. God damn it. Yes, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, yes, I think I am okay with Josh being mad All at me. All those cool drugs he has. and Yeah, he doesn't deserve Margo, so you can fuck off. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to kill Josh because he's fucking my. No. Um, <laughs> that's gonna... actually fine. I mean, if that's your answer. It makes sense, yeah. honestly. Do it, dude. What I, do you want? I was honestly going to kill Penny, but now I'm going to kill Josh. I'm going to bang Margo and kill Josh because they go together. And then last one, I'm going to marry Q. I mean, Q, come on. If he loves me and I love him, we're going to live happy lives. All right. I can go second. I am going to kill Penny. 23 40 it don't fucking matter <laughs> i guess it kind of does matter a little bit so I'll, I'll, I'll kill 23 and i'll i'll in my head cannon penny 40 is already dead you because julia then because then i'm gonna marry julia i'm gonna kill her husband and take her for myself <laughs> <laughs> just like real men used to do when men were men back in the day yeah. and what happens then with uh, the baby then are you connected to the are baby? you gonna adopt the baby i'll raise that son like her daughter like my own so you can travel then fuck yeah i'm killing penny we out here and then I'm going to bang Katie. And I picked a lot of this has to do with the fact that I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers in the squad. Yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to just kind of coast in there. Be one of the bros, be one of the boys. Damn. And also I get to bang Julia and Katie and then marry Julia. So see, I'm going to take pretty much the identical approach that you do where I'm just trying to not stir up drama because I'm trying to live with the homies. Elliot and Quentin, they're going to be my best friends, whatever. I'm not fucking up any of their relationships. So I'm going to actually kill penny 40 because i took it as the penny 40 was going to be the one we were picking here and i'm going to marry his girl katie i'm going to make sure that katie does it doesn't see me fucking slit penny 40's throat we hate him anyway so i'm going to marry katie because just because she would be the only single one i'm actually going to bang fen because anyone else i would fuck would ruin my my bro moments with you're my other an STD, guys bro did you see, see how you're... big that world seed is and you're gonna it's like throwing a hot dog down a hallway <laughs> as they're going that one <laughs> yeah but i got knives Ben will like it. We're gonna vibe. <laughs> All right. You finish, Luke? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, I'll jump in here. I'm gonna marry you, Paul. After I was just arguing with you, so I'm gonna bang. Did you bang or marry Margo? Bang the show. Okay, Margo. so I'm gonna bang Margo. Let's go. And I feel like Josh of all of these other eight options would be the most forgiving. Okay, so I feel like eventually, if I apologize, he'll still be my friend. I'm gonna marry Fen because I think she's the best. I think when you guys talked about it in episode twelve podcast, you did the bank kill marry with Margot Fen and Katie. You talked me right into it. I think that Fen will be a phenomenal wife. She treats you right. She has the STD as well, so we're not worrying about that STD here. And then I'm gonna kill Penny. Whether it's twenty three or forty, like Kyle said, it don't matter. I would rather it be forty, but I don't want Katie to be my enemy. But either way, I'm killing. I'm killing Penny. 
And I like Katie or Julia be mad at me and be friends with everybody else. You guys are taking these re- repercussions so seriously. Cause I'm just That's like, the point, man. dude, I'm just like, I'm out here. Fuck them all. I'm breaking up this friend group. I'm having <laughs> sex with Alice. I am marrying Julia and I am killing everyone else. Fuck everyone else. I do not give a fuck. That's my life. This friend group is going to shit. He only me. had to kill one, decides to kill seven. Nah, because with the repercussions, it's just like you're so limited with what you can do. It's like, fuck that. So I'm just going to. Mary Q, baby. I was going to claim yeah, my mates gonna... early on and just fuck everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Once Dave considers repercussions, he becomes a serial killer. <laughs> kill them all. I'd rather kill everybody than I'm, deal with I'm the repercussions. banging Alice. I'm marrying Julia. Boom. And if Solid I, answer. Yeah, kill everyone else. No, if I had to kill actually someone, it would probably be kill Penny. Yeah, Penny. Neither one's fine. <laughs> so the easiest answer is kill penny and i'm gonna kill penny 40 either way penny but penny 40 because he died in the show and a point that was made in the show is nobody gave a fuck except for katie who out of respect because of the consequences of course yep i would not bang or marry <laughs> thereafter i would just that seems like insult to injury, killing her love and then fucking her. So <laughs> I'll just leave her alone, which leaves the rest of the ensemble. And this is where it gets a little bit tough because I still want to be boys with Q. The repercussions are what fuck you, man. <laughs> That's why you got to say fuck the repercussions. I, and I, I think I'm going to justify banging Alice because he, oh, gave, her, he gave her the whole pass. Honestly, he, he fucked up and had a threesome and she got the revenge with Penny. But he got a two for one with yeah, his. So I'll just slide in there and she gets a two for one. <laughs> she can bang Penny, but he had a threesome. So like she gets me too. So I'll be like, yo, cute. Let's come on, man. Let's say in our perfect world, Quelly, it's a thing. So then you get Alice, you're good. Yeah, that's true. That that's okay, yeah. and, and that, that so who are you? That's who that. you're banging? Yeah. And that. Okay, and perfect. I'm going to marry Fen because, like Jimmy said, I think I was the one that really made the yeah, case, me was. and Kyle, that she would make a phenomenal wife. So, yeah, me and Fen live happily ever after. I'm satisfied with getting to bang Alice, <laughs> and Penny's dead, and apparently nobody cares about that. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah so I'm satisfied with my three. Yeah, but I'm living the best life. I'm fucking banging. Nobody's alive. <laughs> a serial killer, bro. We, I get we what I want. Marino, the group is, dude. Dave. Yeah, so, it's me. So since we lost Kathleen about two segments ago to Wyona Earp, I'm just gonna go for her. She's definitely gonna marry Margo. She's gonna have to kill Josh if this is gonna work. Yeah. And then she's just gonna bang probably everybody else. If Dave's allowed to kill yeah. everybody else, she's allowed to I bang everybody else. I think Kathleen is gonna take the opposite of Dave and say, "Everyone's yeah. staying alive. Yeah. I'm not yeah. killing anybody. She's banging them all." <laughs> Oh All right. shit! That's, that's it. it. That baby. was fun. Top and five. Top five. Top five. We're never talking about magicians again, man. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. That's it, everyone. The peaches and plums motherfucker recap is officially in the books. Hopefully, you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed reflecting on what can only be described as Benchtown TV's cumulative favorite show of all time, <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> But we've already been talking about revisiting this show and possibly highlighting some of our favorite episodes sometime in the future because we just refuse to let the magic die. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our Rooks and Vets coverage of The Magicians Season 5 and probably more importantly, our exclusive interview with the part-time Dean of Breakbills and full-time legend of the game, Rick Worthy, (laughs) a.k.a. Hank Fogg. 
As always, if you like what you heard, give Binchtown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BingetownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, all seven of us today, we are Binchtown TV. And thanks for listening. Let's do some goddamn magic. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.